are you able to taste things? Uh, I think so. I'm tasting um this hot cocoa I'm drinking. Okay. You haven't like suddenly started watching like the keeping up the Kardashians or anything? No. <laughs> I might have Corona. I'm not basic. <laughs> that was a bad taste joke. Is the taste thing real or is it just the fountain of jokes on the internet? No, I, I believe that is one of the common sentence, symptoms is that okay. people lose their sense of taste after three or four days. Okay, because I've only symptoms. seen it in like reference to like bad jokes. Mm. Well, I hope you feel better. Uh, yeah, me too. Hopefully it's I, – I thought, well, maybe it's just like the regular flu, but then I thought – how would I have caught that? Because <laughs> I hadn't really gone anywhere. I mean, when prior. So I saw you on Wednesday, right? I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. So that that would be too fast for any sort of incubation. But had you seen anyone before? Like, theory, you've been home for like two weeks or something, right? Something like that. I don't know. Maybe the I mean, dude the only groceries to you. He set them down on those like pee pads, uh-huh. and I like put on gloves and took them upstairs and like wiped them all down. I guess the good thing I was wearing that mask when I saw you. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. I got a, I got my real mask now. Or uh, not that the other one wasn't real, but you know, my, my walking around town masks. What's your walking around town mask? They're like black, you know, with like little ear things. You bought, you were able to buy something online. Yeah. 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 Happened to find, something that was going to ship fairly soon. You they're not, I mean, I have three of them. Um, they're, they're not disposable. They're like cloth. Okay. You want to send me a link? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can try to find you a link for that. Yeah. I've got like a whole, like, uh, kind of like cyberpunk, you know, future plague look now. I'm still waiting for my gloves. I ordered some, uh, I was looking for some black gloves just because I want to look cool, you know? Um, and they're all sold out of course, but I found, and, and they're sold out or they, they can't be sold because like Amazon hospitals. Yeah. is saying like only hospitals and whatnot can buy them, but tattoo gloves are apparently not included in that, uh, list. So I bought myself some black tattoo artist gloves. So like they're black latex. I guess so. Yeah. Okay, those are the same ones they use for like fingerprinting. Like if you're getting like a background I mean, they, check, they might not be latex. They might be something else. Let me look up and see what I ordered here. Are they a little? Are they a little chalky? They say no powder on them. Okay. Okay. So let me just look this up here. These are exam grade black latex gloves, powder free, 100 pieces. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. From Worldwide Tattoo Supply. What's funny is that I found that you can buy those um, face shield masks that like medical people use. Sure. Um, those aren't cool looking though. No, they're not cool looking. But when it comes to the splatter of like dangerous juices or whatever. I seriously contemplated buying one of those like cosplay gas masks. And then just like because those aren't they don't they're not real. They don't work. But like you could just like put cloth inside that, you know, at the various air holes. Kind of, uh-huh. kind, of, kind of make your own. I don't know if I wanted to look that extreme going to the grocery store. So these things, they they adhere to your face just right? I mean, they don't have, they're not like surgical grade or anything, but, you know, they're better than nothing. 
Apparently, you got the last of them because there are no mm. sellers that can deliver this item to my location. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's fine. I'll just die. Uh -huh. well, keep looking. I mean, you can... If you look, there's ways to make them out of a bandana and like a hair, two hair dyes. Things um, that I have. I'm sure you can order bandana and hair ties. You just, you basically, you fold out the bandana long ways and then you put the two hair ties like around the, the folds and then, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen celebrities uh -huh. demonstrate on it. On I, I saw a couple of people outside today that went out and did shopping for the first time in a few days. Um, they had that style on, so. Looks like it's taken mm. off. Cool, cool. Well, whatever. My home's a tomb. Mm. Okay. Be buried in it with all my my possessions, like a just, Egyptian, whatever. Remember to include your passport passwords in your will so that I can delete your foreign history if you need to. Mm. Yeah. Just, just match the thing. Just match and I'll make sure it's covered in gasoline before I expire and you just toss the match in. Hey, there's, you know, entrepreneurial idea. There should be some sort of app you can run. Like, you know, you're going to die soon. You uh, just click that one button and it just goes through and, you know, it deletes all your history that you don't want anyone finding. Yeah. Oh, what did, uh, oh shit. What was that asshole's term for it? Um, what did Trump always say about Hillary's emails? It's something stupid. Not wash. Bleach. She was obsessed with bleach because she yeah. used a program called like bleach bits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like so many people are going to false alarm, like <laughs> delete Ooh. their shit. Oh, man, there goes all my porn. <laughs> it was weird porn, but it was quite a collection. This is all going to the podcast, right? I, I guess. <laughs> I guess the only the only upside to being into really weird porn is that you get that kind of like curator vibe. Like, you know, like you're indexing, I presume. I don't know. Sure, sure. That's an upside. Feels like you're doing something with your life. Uh-huh. I mean, like, okay, let's you're, say you're that got, guy who you he hears a conversation behind you and you can turn around and go, actually. <laughs> but I mean, like, let's say you've got, I don't know, 500 videos of like foot porn. Uh -huh. What do you title all that? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm presuming you gotta come up with a system, right? It's like uh it's like Rob from High Fidelity. It's like, no, no, no. It's autobiographical. That's how everything's arranged now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to remember that in September of that year, I was in Asian I, feet. I, I feel like Quinn Tarantino has this all worked out. He's probably got a whole oh. decimal system for it. Quinn Tarantino is like an early investor in like uh, like porn bleach or whatever the app is called. You know, there's been times like a, like he's seen like the sirens behind him as he pulled uh -huh. over. and He's just like deleted it all. Uh, he's got like one of those codes that like Picard uses when he's self-destructing the enterprise <laughs> beta beta alpha alpha two four one <laughs> <laughs> so what are you drinking over there uh, I have uh, vitamin water and hot cocoa at the same time I'm going back and forth it's weird wow. that's that's sick I drank half my hot cocoa before we started recording and I don't feel like brewing anymore okay what what are you like really brewing this up or are you talking about like the carnation stuff? Like Keurig. Really? Ooh, fancy. You got yourself a Keurig. Oh. So when my mother came to visit me last year, she needed coffee, so she bought a Keurig that she left here. And so I only use it to drink tea. I have like two things of sipping chocolate. 
that my mom has gotten me for Christmas a few times in a year in a row, and I've never used any of it. But theoretically, it's it's like some real high class hot chocolate. I mean, I've never heard it called that. Yeah, I don't know. So this isn't like Nestle. This is like real shit. This is like this is the real shit. It comes in like a tin. It's like French. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got like a little spoon. I think it might be from Trader Joe's. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Your mom loves that Trader Joe's, huh? A lot of people love Trader Joe's. Cool. I can't say I support their, I don't know, weird fetish with like only being in like tiny little parking lots so that it looks like they're busy all the time. Like that just annoys me. Mm-hmm. That's the one that you wanted to like open across the street from you, right? There was a perfect spot in my old condo where it's like you could just put a right, there's a lot of houses around here. It's a, you know, commercial use pad right across the street. You could put a Trader Joe's there, but no, it's still vacant. There's nothing there. Uh, And their fucking faces. Yeah. Anyway, should we start the pod? Might as well. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marcus Parks. How's it going, Marco? It's going great. Good to hear. How about you? I'm doing fine, I guess. Cool. I had a very unproductive weekend where I slept a lot and played a few video games, sat around watching Lost and didn't really do anything. Perfect. Yeah. Speaking of Lost, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Previously on Lost. Previously on Lost. Uh, We're going to be talking about four-ish episodes. Uh, from seasons one and two, we we tried originally like, oh, let's pick four from seasons one, two, three. That's impossible. Like it simply yeah. can't be done. It really can't even be done for two seasons. I don't even think it no, would be done can't. for one season. Um, Honestly, we fucked up. Yeah, I don't, we well, fucked up real bad. Here's the thing: I don't, I don't know how to talk about this show other than doing it episode by episode. But I don't think my brain is prepared for the room it's going to have to create to like to embrace all of the lore again. You know, like I'd have to like kick other th- things out of my brain. Like I don't, I can't, you know, I only have so much space in there and like to, to fully dive into the lore of Lost and all the crazy connections and shit. I just don't know if I, I'm prepared for that. I look at it like this. This was uh, a full wing and a half of, of the house that is my brain was once taken up by Lost. And uh-huh. while I have not gone into that part of the house in a while, like I know it was still there. Like I was looking at the Lost PD article on uh, Randy Locke's boss, yeah. who's Randy Nations. He's in like five episodes, and like there's like some like extra show stuff, you know, like more lore about what was going on with Randy. It's like, man, I I don't have room for all this. I wish I did. Ah, oh, it'd be such a fun podcast, though. Yeah, we will be talking about Lost, but first, what are you watching right now? Uh, I've rewatched most of the first season of Community. Really. <laughs> Yeah, what brought that? That on? show, it was on Netflix. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's on Netflix. The, I didn't have to deal with the commercials of Hulu. Um, it's that show. That show is fascinating. It's it's a little bit like Lost in the sense that it's almost perfect. It's almost perfectly bingeable. It is such. It is so good considering it has some deep flaws embedded <laughs> in its core, or like certain characters that are there, like a cancer. Um, yeah, just very easy to, to watch community and, and have your brain be a little bit, you know, excited and challenged and zone out. All right. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, and Tiger King. I watched the fucking Tiger King show. I didn't. I'm so glad I didn't. I refuse to. I'll never watch that. Okay. What a stand. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm abstaining. You're much a hero. Like, much like Rebecca Black and her Friday song. I just I'm not participating in that part of culture. Are you going to start bullying this young woman? Bullying? Yeah. Who? Rebecca Black? Rebecca. She's back now. She's been bullied. Why would I? I Like I said, I'm, I'm abstaining. Okay. So what have you been watching? I finished Picard. So I lost. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing with like the golem, and it's like, oh, Picard's dead, but he's not. He's just like a synth Picard, but he's exactly like the same old Picard. He doesn't have any special enhanced powers at all. Let's just pretend it's like, it's he just, never died. Yeah. It's just dumb. It's like, what's the point of this? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, there's no stakes to that. What's the point of the fucking like data cameo? It's just, it's all done. Like the only good part of that episode is like the fucking Riker cameo, which is weird. Yeah. It's great say, to see Riker but... again, even though he's on like clearly a green screen, like some fake yeah, crew huh? behind him. Yeah. But like, just I, think he's, Riker, I think he's on the discovery set is what he's on. Him just like slouching in the chair, looking at screen, like being Riker. It's like, Hey, wait, this is, this could be a good show. Why are we watching yeah. this show? Well, they found a uniform finally that like uh, Riker looks good in. <laughs> I just, I don't know. The crew that they've assembled at the end of the show, I don't think they work well. I mean, like a couple of the actors I could see in other things maybe, but. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's so haphazard because like, like make up your fucking mind. Is Agnes going to jail or not? Seriously. I feel like she maybe should. It's like. Don't tease, oh, like Rafi and Seven of Nine are in a relationship. Because like Seven of Nine can do way the fuck better. <laughs> way the fuck she better. She can do better. And like where was that? Like it, there's like not even the hint of it the rest of the show. It just seems so out of nowhere. Also yeah. like Seven of Nine and Elnor are like, I know that all of you other former Borg are on that crashed cube on alien robot planet. Um, fuck off. Yeah. Well, Elnor earlier, he's just like, maybe all these people should just die. And you're just like, what? But also, the Riker cameo is fascinating to me because he's on his island, or his island, sorry, his planet, like, you know, with Troy and his kid. Then presumably it's like maybe 24 hours being generous. Like, Picard is sent out this SOS. The Admiral, Admiral, like, cusses a lot, is going to put together a task force. Riker's just like, sup, I want in on this. I want to be in charge of it. Let's I don't know how he gets there in time. He gets a ship. It's very <laughs> he takes command. It's very JJ Abrams. It's it's yeah, he flies over. This crew doesn't know who the fuck he is, but their new boss is just like barking to the Romulans how like I'm not gonna be left like uh, making pizza in the woods. Yeah. It's like the fuck is going on here? <laughs> well, like they couldn't just have it where like he calls in some favors and gets himself like an older, almost decommissioned, you know, class, whatever, like starship. No, he, he shows up with like an entire fleet of their, like, like, like 200 of their best starships. And you're like, okay. Well, it's something that I always, I don't know. It's not like a huge deal, but I always appreciate it. Anytime you ever saw uh, more than three starships on Star Trek was they, they all look different. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't just like the same one, the same kind of like generic, Sort of enterprisey shape. It's a little bit voyagery. Yeah. 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 Um, and not even like a mention of like 
Oh, it's a shame that like Narek fell down that cliff and broke every bone in his ugly fucking body like his sister. I'm sure that sister can come back if they want her to. Like we didn't see the body, so or they can bring back Commander General O, Commodore yeah. General O. Well, the sister like just randomly teleported away the first time she's being attacked. I don't see any reason why she couldn't do it again. But also, Robot Cthulhu almost came out of like a portal, like a hellmouth to hell, right above this planet, and everyone's like. We don't need to look into that. I can't believe that not even a single like Starfleet ship is, like stuck around behind after just in case. Because it like it, the Romulan fleet leaves, the, the Starfleet fleet leaves, and then it's like, hey guys, what if the Romulans just come right back? It was just so ham-handed. I don't know. Like it's just the show isn't really interested in that that side of Star Trek. No. I'm not sure what the show is interested in, to be honest. Um, no. no, it's snakeweed and something about the borg although that kind of fell out well like none of the like romulan folklore over the campfire really ties into any of the other shit that we've been told about or or seen they really want us to care about fucking harry treadaway there yeah It, it was just a real fucking mess so that was picard i guess they're making yeah. another season of it yeah well, like, what are they going to do with Guinan on this show, honestly? I don't know. I just I just want a normal Star Trek show where you have a captain and his crew and they fly around doing stuff. You know, I don't know. Is that? I guess that's too much to ask for. The closest we got was Discovery. Remember when they were explorers? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Or even just like the fucking Gene Roddenberry, who was a scumbag in real life. But like just his like wagon train to the stars thing. Like even that dressed up and modernized sounds fun. Well, I feel like between like disco and this, you have like the seeds of a show that could theoretically be good if you just like ignored everything and declared it non-canon and like started over. Like Michelle Yeoh is a captain. That works. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. the Lieutenant Girl Michael, I can't remember the actor's name. Like. She would have been good as like, I don't know, like a number one or something like that. I mean, there's there's I really enjoyed season two of Discovery. I don't think it really makes a lot of sense canon wise. But the guy that played Pike was great. Even the guy who played Spock was pretty good. Um, Just like a different take on Spock. But like the first season of that show. You don't want a Star Trek show where the spoiler, the captain's the bad guy. Yeah, you don't want that. That's not what Star Trek's about. You could take, like, the guy who plays Rios, he could be, like, a doctor on a ship, you know? Like, lose all the funky accents. Um, you could have Seven and Nine on a show. You know, it's like, I feel like you could combine these two shows together to have one kind of good, just regular old Star Trek show. A lot of these shows don't know what to do um, when it's like, we've got the the old lead but he doesn't like he wants to be in the show, but he doesn't really want a lot of screen time. Uh-huh, yeah. And so it's like the the admiral role. It never really makes sense because you 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 need that tip of the spear. And it theoretically should be Rios. But also, again, the fucking holograph thing doesn't work. There's no point to having a crew if he can just like wave his hands in the air and the ship can do whatever. Yeah, they also got to lose this the way he they control the ship with like stupid holograms that they're yeah. waving their hands at. Yeah, that was dumb. But they all become like Tony Stark. Yeah. Anyway, I'm done talking about Picard. Uh, Devs, I'm all caught up on that. I haven't seen the latest one. Oh, okay. 
I think they're Ooh. they're building towards some some real like mind bending like quantum mechanic shit. I think. Okay. Like, I think well, there's I mean, a reason that they've like made sure to include like a few lectures on that. You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean the the one where Allison Girardi is just like watching a fucking lecture uh-huh. where she dresses down her professor. I don't know. The show's fine. I just, I just don't like episodically. I just don't know, man. It's, I'd say I'm enjoying it. Um, it's holding my attention at least more so than okay. Picard did. Um, and then Westworld, of course, which is airing like right now, but obviously we haven't seen that episode yet, but I've enjoyed the first three. Yeah. Who do you think is in other Dolores or, uh, I mean, I mean hail who the hail is yeah. it? Um, man, I hope this doesn't drag on through the whole season, but the most, the thing that would make the most sense if it was just like a single other, you know, entity would be, um, Clementine. Say either. Oh, okay. Oh, that's all I thought you were going to say. Wh- who do you think I was going to say? Wyatt or Caleb? I don't think either of those makes sense. The Wyatt one could kind of make sense. Like why it wasn't a real person? Eh. It was just eh. like programming. I don't know. Like, and I don't know that that to me isn't particularly interesting because we've never really met Wyatt. Like why it that personality is theoretically already merged with our Dolores anyway. So the ones that I I think absolutely not are obviously I don't think it's Teddy. No, and I don't think it's um I can't remember his name. Uh, Dolores' dad. No, because he wasn't a predator. So, yeah, um, it's just intriguing. The the uh, uh, like nobody knows you like I do, and you belong to me, and all that shit. Um, I legitimately like started the season thinking it was like a copy of Dolores in there for some reason. Yeah, it could be some sort of thing like that, or it's like Dolores merged with like Charlotte Hale's, you know, data or something. Yeah, because well, it would have to be something like that because the whole schizophrenia of like she's also in here trying to like claw me out. I worry that we're going to find out that like a ton of stuff that's in the show is actually like all part of like a simulation. Well, it would it it wouldn't be crazy. I don't think I don't necessarily want it. But if like the like Robotham or whatever, Robotham or whatever, Rehoboam, Rehoboam. Robohobo is like actually a simulation, like Caleb's whole thing. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't be insane, but it's not what I'm rooting for. Of all the names they could give a computer system, Rehoboam. I mean, come on. Yeah. Give us a yeah. break. Yeah. Anyhow, we but, but it's 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 the maze, though. It's it's yeah. part of the same kind of thing that I enjoyed about, you know, coincidentally lost. Uh-huh. The you know the fact that like it could present a space and then it could be half give me half the maze and I could fill the rest of it with my my shit. Um, I've been listening to an artist named Juliana Barwick a lot lately. Why is that? She's very soothing. Okay, that's the only reason. Yeah. Nobody like turned you on to this singer. I've been listening to her for years, but years. I've been listening okay. to her a lot lately. Okay. Soothing. Yourself? Um, uh, I've been listening to a lot of Fountains of Wayne. For sad reasons. Good for you. Yeah. For- One of their lead singers died of COVID-19 this past week. Man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. And it's like like a, a singer-songwriter dying to like a global pandemic is just the sort of thing that would happen in one of their songs, you know? Yeah. It's like it one is. of the, it's like, because all their songs are really kind of like little character studies or most of them are. 
Um, and that's like totally like a character they would sing about. It's kind of grimly ironic. Uh, they have a song about a guy who dies in a cell phone explosion. Yeah. Mexican wine. Uh, like he could fit right in there with the rest yeah. of the uh, characters in that. It's sad that they kind of fell out with each other, but um, see, it's it's just it's sad because the guy was super talented. Like, you know, I, I watched a little bit of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and like, you know, his contributions, I'm sure added, I couldn't pull out specifically what was him and others. But like, you could definitely tell he had fun. He's a very versatile singer songwriter. Um, I always liked his other band, Ivy. He's just like um, a crazy prolific, like kind of like just genius songwriter, like. I don't know. It's it's weird that he wasn't like hyped at the same breath as like, I don't know, like Jack Antonoff and like the matrix people and like all the other kind of like pop producers that are out there, you know? Yeah. Well, he's, he's definitely from like a, an older, yeah, you know, like a generation that's kind of starting to fade away. Um, can I make it very selfish for a moment too? Sure. Like I read that Marianne faithful, has COVID and oh, I'm really? like, wow. that, that sucks. But you know, I get it because of the age that's she's in that vulnerable population. Then I read about Adam, is it Schlesinger? Like, Schlesinger, like he's, yeah. he's in his early fifties. And I think like, I don't know, man, I just, I, with the different cases and stuff, I, I worry, I'm like, what, what was the other thing? Like, was he just not, was, did he have respiratory issues? You yeah, know, I, think, I wonder, I think every time anyone hears about somebody dying of COVID, they want, they want to know that there's some sort of out because it's scary yeah. to think that you can just get it and die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look at our, our local County board of health website that updates three times mm-hmm. a week, sometimes more with the people who have it in our County and the numbers keep going up. Um, yeah, we're up over a hundred like, now, right? Yeah. We're up over a hundred now. Yeah. And it's like, why why aren't the rest of us like uh like can we just buy Idris Elba's blood? <laughs> can he just sell his plasma? Him and Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, it doesn't discriminate, unfortunately. Um but yeah, Founds Wayne, I probably listened to that band more in my like early twenties more than any other band, I think. Like I just used to listen to them all the time. Uh and it really sucks that he's dead now. Yeah. So everyone should go listen to some Fountains of Wayne. Great band. Someday we're all going to sink to the bottom. What are you reading? I have not read really much of anything mm-hmm. in the last week. So I've been reading Travel. Working my okay. way through that. I really need to like get a notepad out while I read. Because like I'm reading things and being like, oh, I want to remember this. But like I know I won't. But um, other than that, uh, there's a book called The Hazelwood that my sister recommended to me. So I just got that delivered. Like hmm. some something YA, I have no idea what it's about really, but I'll read that next. Cool. Anyway, shall we talk about Lost? Why don't we talk about Lost? So Man, we fucked up. I mean, what are you gonna do? You know? We really should have done it like we don't have this kind of time, but like four from each season would have been smarter. <laughs> Even then, like what we basically we did I know. we picked four episodes. We picked three from season one and one from season two. Um, to, well, to represent seasons hours. one through two, yeah, yeah, we picked five hours. But if you, if we weren't, so the the one we picked from season two is "Live Together, Die Alone." If you didn't pick that, and you're gonna pick another from season one, what would you pick? Uh, numbers, maybe, maybe numbers. So that, we, we that did sure. we did the pilot, uh, walkabout, and in translation. Well, pilot part one, sure. 
Although I feel like we can talk about pilot part two. I watched the whole thing, so yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I cheated uh, and watched like four more episodes than we said to. But what are you going to do? Well, in, in the season two, you know, episodes, picking those were just as hard because like, I don't love the rest of the episode, but obviously like the 23rd Psalm, I would want for very obvious reasons. I rewatched that, yeah. Um, Man of Science, Man of Fave. Yeah, I rewatched uh, 23rd Psalm and Lockdown in addition to Live Together, Die Alone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. Do we want to just start with a general opening statement here? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, this is my favorite TV show. It's pretty much everything I could want in the format. You've got a sprawling cast of characters. It's serialized, but not too serialized. It's mysterious. There's intrigue. There's adventure, etc. I think it probably says a lot about me that if I could get lost on an island, I would absolutely do it. Uh, I don't think I've watched much of the show since it ended, and I found I really missed like so many of these characters. Uh, the show's sort of invented the single character focused flashback episode, and it's just so goddamn good at creating these like complex characters with the bare minimum of setup. Uh, they tried really like many many times to duplicate the Lost formula with other shows in that era, and it always failed because. The characters, more than anything else, are really what elevates the show to the next level. And for whatever reason, these, those other shows could never duplicate that. Um, I don't know. It might not be for everyone, but for me, like the high concept of it's a bunch of people who are all they're already metaphorically lost in their lives. They get literally lost on an island after a plane crash. And now they've got a second chance at life. That's like that's my catnip. That's perfect. We have to go back. End statement. I mean, yeah, I would, I would co-sign with all that. Uh, I think prior to this, I was a nerd who my favorite TV show was maybe The Prisoner. I don't know if that was accurate, but that's what I would say. Um, and then I remember watching the pilot of this when it aired, and it's like someone just took my head and banged against the side of the bowl, and some excitement just like oozed out into the the goo. I fucking love the show. The show. I was just like, I don't know, like I was, I was, uh, I was reticent to, to admit that I loved it until episode three slash four, which we'll talk about when I was just like, fuck, this might be the best thing I've ever seen. Um, like you said, it, it, it helped reinvent the single character narrative per episode. I think it, it started the, the Netflix format for shows before there was streaming services that could be binge like that. Um, I don't think the other shows that people talk about in that regard work the same. I, I don't think you get a good serialized story from something like The Walking Dead, I'm guessing, you know, like you do from Lost. Um, you have these great characters and these moments that are very real in the midst of some truly bonkers things that happen to them. But also like the other shows, like you mentioned, like the carbon copies, they never even really worked that hard on their concept or their mystery. Like they just were so excited to be like doing that kind of show that like it never logically made sense where even as wild as it was, I feel like lost always did. You may not have liked it, but it made this kind of sense. And we're not, I don't want to hear shit about the ending because if you're complaining, you probably didn't get it. Sorry, no offense, but um, yeah, I, I fucking love the show. I don't know if there's been a show that I've loved in the same way since. Yeah. All right. yeah before we continue, I'm wondering like, how are, how are we treating spoilers here? We got to do spoilers. I guess. I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll try I, not I to like give away everything, you know, like, like, Oh yeah. And so-and-so dies later. Like, I'll, I guess I'll try to avoid that. But, um, 
Yeah. We're definitely going to There's going to be some. Seasons yeah. one to two. Yeah. Well, like you mentioned Randy. Randy's the weirdest fucking background character of all time. Is it five episodes somehow? Yeah. But I mean, like, the shit that he does to Hurley and then Hurley gives him a promotion and then the guy's just like a little HR cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like this show has like, I mean, like we'll get to it, but like this show has like five of like my favorite TV characters of all time. You know what I mean? (laughs) Seriously. Well, I guess we're going to do top moments for each episode. Do we want to like do an episode at a time here and like talk about it and then come back to the next one? Yeah, let's do an episode. Well, let's do it as we do each episode to start. Okay. So yeah, as we said, we will watch four. Uh, the first one is the pilot. Um, technically, just S one E one, like the first part of the pilot. Um, mm. I don't know. I feel like it's more important than the second part. Like, although you do get some, like the second, the, the other, the second half, or no, sorry, mixing metaphors here. The the other shoot drops in the second half of the pilot. As far as guys, where are we? As far as like the the whole French lady and like you know it's been repeating for sixteen years. Like that's kind of yeah. like the, the little extra sauce there. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. So I obviously cheated. I think you probably did too, I would guess, where we probably have the same top moment. But my my secondary top moment is also in part one of the pilot. I found it impossible to even list like a single top moment, but I mean, I'll, I'll go for it, I guess. Uh, okay. Which, by the way, I should what? say, you you watched the pilot first, right? What do you mean? The, like, the first no. episode of Lost that you ever watched was the pilot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was not the case with me. The first episode of Lost I ever saw was Raised by Another. It's like episode 10, I think, um, or somewhere around there. So, yeah. Your first episode was a Claire episode. Yeah, with uh, Ethan Robb and, like, all that shit. I was just like, what the fuck? This is, like, my mind was completely blown. I went and downloaded the rest of the episodes and, like, started it from the beginning. Although I want to say, like, I... Because I was like downloading based on like episode number or whatever, I like missed the second half of the pilot. I didn't see that for like a year or something. So, oh wow, wow. yeah, I'm always okay. like less familiar with the second half of the pilot. I mean, let's just say first of all, this pilot is brilliant. The this, way it builds moods, lays out tools and toys that are like dying to be played with. I love the way it puts the characters and the experiences first. This and the, this is the best pilot ever made. Um. You see a little bit in Force Awakens, but the camera is so surprisingly subtly agile in this show. Yeah, this is the best pilot ever made. This is the best thing J.J. Abrams has ever done. And it it really, it bummed me out to see how good he can be when he's not just slathering himself up with nostalgia, you know? Because there's, this Mm -hmm. is not a nostalgia play. There's nothing here where he's, you know, just like aping some other thing. Like, it's, it's all just original material. Also, I'm glad that with Watchmen we can we can tout the uh, the redemption of Damon Lindelof. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and leftovers too. Uh, but I mean, I feel like leftovers is still pretty niche. Like, not not everyone has seen that show, or in your case, hasn't finished the show, or what have you. You know what I mean? But like, there's a lot of things where he was just like getting a lot of shit. Like, I'll never forget the fucking what was it, the Alien movie that he oh, that um, was one of the writers on. It was promoting Prometheus. That. Yeah, yeah, Prometheus. When the fucking Verge guy was just like, it's my duty to take you to task for the end of Lost. And he's just like, sit down, bitch. You didn't understand it. <laughs> um, yeah, they all weren't dead the whole time. Sorry. Yeah. This is your first time hearing that. I hope you're sitting down. Yeah. Whatever happened, happened. So, top moment? Um, 
for me, it's, I mean, I, I realize there's like so many in this, but for me, it's got to just be when Jack first arrives on the beach, that kind of pan around as he comes around the corner and like suddenly there's like an insane plane crash and just yes. the, that whole sequence, like Shannon is just like screaming the whole time, which is yes. like, it's such a great background noise. Of, it's just like really haunting and like scary that like mm. she's just like shrieking in terror this whole time. Um, the way it keeps Remind escalating me. where Jack keeps on having to like, like he solves a small problem, but then there's a bigger one he has to go to to a bigger one, you know, and it's, it's just like he can't win kind of thing. Yeah. I would say, remind me, I want to come back to the Shannon screaming, but same. I always say the first 20 minutes of the pilot, meaning the beach scene, but honestly, it's that up until the point where he runs into Kate, you know, a little bit of ways, like oh, all of that is yeah. so, so strong. But the, the, the beauty of that thing, when he comes around, like you're starting to hear the noises of the crash and he comes around this foliage and you can see this look on his face. And what I love about that is that they don't like reverse shot here's this huge thing yeah we just stay on jack as he just like runs into it and then you just see around him this chaos like oh there's just like a burning engine that he's you know walking fast and 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 jack is is like snarky too like the fucking thing of boone like i've got a license you should consider giving it back (laughs) oh yeah fucking boone and i just the the note at the end when boone comes back and he's got a bunch of pins and he's yes. like, here, I, I wasn't sure which one you want to. Like, I love that because it's so, it's like empathetic towards the character. It would be easy to yeah. just make Boone a constant joke, you know, but it's like right. this guy, he, he may not be a good, you know, lifeguard or good at doing CPR, but like he's trying. Yeah. Well, and God, man, you could really discuss <laughs> Boone, one of my least favorite characters, but like, what's Boone's deal, really? Um, yeah. Like, but that poem with the, with the pens, and it's like, you're like, Oh, that's interesting. I haven't breathed in six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I can finally exhale. I have a secondary moment, but we can talk about it when we get to it as we go through this. But, um, God. The stuff on the beach. I mean, this was, I believe, it was the most expensive pilot ever made for its time. It was like $12 million or something. Um, and it's such a complete and utter home run. Like, seriously, I'm not kidding when I say this is like the best pilot ever made. Like, it's not even close, I don't think. Usually pilots suck. They aren't very good because they're trying really hard to introduce everything. But like this one just seems like so effortless and like the stuff it establishes right off the bat. It's just like, oh my God, massive plane crash. This guy's a doctor. He's running around trying to save people. You, you were like introduce the characters just kind of like randomly like, oh, there's Claire. You know, like you don't even know her name. It's just, oh, there's a pregnant woman, you know, or oh, mm-hmm. there's uh, the, the lifeguard guy or, you know, stuff like that. Like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Well, and, and it shouldn't have worked as well as it did because they wrote some characters and we'll get probably into the Michael Keaton story, but uh-huh. like they wrote some characters and then they just added other characters based on actors they liked. Like, like Jorge Garcia showed up to audition for, I think, Sawyer uh-huh, and they're yeah. just like, fuck it. We want this guy on the show. Um, but I, I think JJ Abrams was the one who eclipsed that most expensive pilot a few years later with Fringe, which is not a show for me, though I thought it would be. Fringe is okay. Um, I mean, I I watched most of it, although I don't think I watched the last season. It was all fine. It was a little too formulaic for me. I feel like it just it lost. I watched, I think, all of season one, and I just think whatever I wanted it to be, it never got there. But this pilot should not work as well as it is because it is doing all the things that a pilot should, where it's just like opening up its box and being like, oh, there's a giant monster in the woods. I bet you're kind of curious what that is. Oh, we're going to get to that. Oh, I bet there's this thing here. I bet you're wondering what that is. And it's just like, fuck yes, I want to know what all of this is. (laughs) 
with character moments with the fucking count to five. Also, Matthew Fox is 100%, 110% face acting to the max. Jack is so good in this show. I kind of get the feeling that Matthew Fox is like a complete asshole in real life, which is too bad. Yeah. Uh, but God, Jack is a great character on this show. Such a complete like, maniac. He is an utter maniac. Like, there's a world where Matthew Fox could have been like Ethan Hunt. He's so insane. Yeah. Um, like, like his, it's not even like a rubber face, but like he just goes from like zero to a hundred. I'm not sure if I could say Jack is my favorite character, but I feel like I can't deny that he's the character I relate to the most. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the weird thing about the show is even as like Jack's personal life and flashbacks is like tanking hard, <laughs> you're still like, I'm hanging on baby. Yeah. <laughs> We're going down. We're going down together. Uh um also yeah i was reminded of all the little the little fucking theories like the uh, first other living creature he sees on the island is vincent and it's like launching a thousand theories yeah. about vincent well the the visual motifs that the show establishes even here with like the eye opening is great mm-hmm. um matthew fox speaking to him he does really good like i'm in pain acting like really good. He's like incredibly convincing. Like when he's like gets up and he kind of reaches to feel like his wound and he, he like does, he winces in exactly the way you would wince. Like he, it's not like overdone, but it's like, it really seems like he is in pain or like when he's uh, having her like, so Kate stitch him up, like the way his like voice like wavers and whatnot. I don't know. He's just really good at that kind of acting. Oh, just the, if you wouldn't mind just the vulnerability yeah. when he's asking her and she's just like, because she doesn't want to do it. It's gross. It's weird. It's like terrifying. And then finally she's just like melts and she's like, of course I'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, when he's like, you're doing great. Like you can just hear it in his voice, like how close he is to losing it. You know? <laughs> oh, and just the, you don't even know how, how important it is. But when he has the little vodka bottles that he gives her and he's like, save a little for me. And she's <laughs> looking at him like, oh, okay. And he's like, for the wound. <laughs> turns out he's an alcoholic all along though yeah yeah. Uh, i love the Uh, the imagery of the white tennis shoe hanging from the tree when he finally gets up and runs there yeah yeah who do we meet here we we meet charlie we meet claire we see Jin running around shouting korean i don't know is like just looking to get laid for the entire like first half of the season when i realized also i cheated and watched like the first four episodes um there's like a weird thing where like all the main dudes are trying to get with Kate at first. Mm-hmm. Like they're all mm-hmm. after her, but it's like Jack is like, they sense that he's the alpha. So it's like yeah. Saeed's kind of like trying to mack on Kate and then like Jack walks up and Saeed's just like, I'm going to peace out over here. There's a great bit in the start of walkabout with Jack and Kate, but um, yeah, like Charlie is just desperate to be like the object of affection to somebody. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I hate Charlie. Charlie. Um, <laughs> Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, but Claire's pregnant as fuck. Boone's giving that terrible CPR. I fucking love the uh the bit where uh he gets like Jack gets Hurley to help move Claire and he's like, you know, get away from the fumes. Let me know if the contraction's gonna be closer to moments apart. And uh-huh. Hurley's like, sure, sure. And Jack runs away and he's like, Hey, hey, what's your name? And then Jack turns back to us. <laughs> and he's just like, Jack. <laughs> it's like, oh, I like this guy. I also love the bit where the, when he first like grabs Hurley and like brings him over, and Hurley's just like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Because it's such a like a like 
like this is a ridiculous like you know disaster moment of course she's got to be pregnant you know yeah yeah well and and the gimmick that should be annoying i think is again i want to talk about the shannon thing later when we get to that episode but like the way they so seamlessly will come back and flashbacks in later episodes to this sequence uh-huh. like when he calls Locke over and like you don't realize like how important that will be because well, they don't really you just see Locke. like the back of Locke's head like in yeah. his body they don't even really focus too hard on it being Locke even though it clearly is yeah yeah but it's like you don't know that like that's going to be a huge moment for Locke um but yeah this this first six minutes it's like this show has no right to be the guy, getting, the guy getting sucked into the engine. It's great. <laughs> Which I feel like I saw that so many times in movies and TV shows after this. <laughs> and then we found out later that that was Gary Troop, the writer of uh, the bad twin. Oh, is that Gary Troop? <laughs> yeah. Like tie in novel that has nothing to do with the show at all. But I read the whole thing anyway. You and Sawyer. Yeah. <sighs> So yeah, we meet uh, Hurley. We see Jin running around screaming. It's pretty bold that this show like goes well into the second season before Jin speaks English. Like they mm-hmm. they really committed to that. And like I don't know, Jin's one of my favorite characters on the show for sure. So I'm glad that they didn't just like hand wave some bullshit and like suddenly he can speak perfect English, you know? Yeah. Well, this show, the casting, like the characters that they they bring in are so fascinating because obviously you know Matthew Fox from party of five and a bunch of like failed like UPN shows. Like there was some show where he was like a, a cop who investigates supernatural crimes or whatever, you know, and I love, I've always loved Terry O'Quinn, like from all the Chris Carter shows. He's like one of the best that like, let me give you really esoteric (laughs) backstory. Well, Boone, Uh, we'd seen Boone before on that young American show. I know. And rules of attraction and rules of attraction. Yeah. Daniel Day Kim, another like genre guy. Um, he'd been in like a Babylon Five spinoff. He'd been an Angel. Um, obviously went on to like like fucking Hawaii Five O. I feel like that he guy was just... on Twenty Four for a few seasons. Yeah, Daniel Day Kim's just fucking awesome, and everything is in pretty much. But I feel like he probably has a mansion in Hawaii. I think he's like a producer on The Good Doctor. I hope so. so. Like... I mean, because he he got screwed on Hawaii Five O, so I hope he's doing fine. Because him and Grace yeah, Park did completely dicked over. I don't know the details, but I knew that they like kind of like just wrote them off the show for. Like, they basically money. didn't. They didn't want to pay him as much, and it's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. you're two Asian American actors. You don't want to like you know pay what you're paying your your white actors. Yeah, so they just wrote them yeah. off. Well, and considering the two white actors they kept, like the Alex O'Laughlin guy. Yeah, seriously. Why do we? Snore. Why are we working so hard to make that guy happen? And, I mean, and a James Con, give me a break. We'll we'll get to it in the in translation episode, but Daniel Dick Kim is fucking awesome in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like you had all these actors who you had seen in these like other weird parts. So it's so strange to see them coalesce. And I honestly think like this show is so good and it's so dynamic that like it kind of did that rare thing where it remade those images. Like I didn't see them as no other character. After the first episode, you're not thinking about party of five anymore. <laughs> you're like, no, this no. guy's clearly a maniac. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I love that all that shit happens. The thing fucking explodes. And then we start to get like that. One of those great Michael Giancino riffs, yeah. which I feel like for the first season, very foolishly, I, I did not appreciate that guy nearly enough. Really? Okay. Oh, but like, but definitely by the season one finale, like I was like, holy fuck, this you guy is great. You don't get it in this episode, but in part two of the pilot, he kicks in like when they're like hiking up the, the hill 
um, mm-hmm. you know, like to like, you know, work the transceiver. Like he has like a, a score or a motif that he dun, kicks in there. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's like a, awesome. The, well, there's like there's like 10 scenes at least over the course of Lost where it's just like we as a group are going hiking. And it's like he's got a great just like riff for mm-hmm. that as they march into the thing. Um, but yeah, so Jack, you know, he collects himself. He he runs off for a moment to freak out. I love the um, the, the fact that he goes to be alone. It's so yeah. interesting. He's going to go try to do it himself, you know, and he's wincing, almost crying as he takes his shirt off. And then there's Kate who walks in rubbing her her wrists. We won't find why for a couple episodes. Yeah. Um. And this show has this great built-in thing with the fucking luggage. Like you never know what's going to be in some asshole's luggage uh, on an airplane. It's like whenever we need a thing, I bet somebody had it in their luggage. Uh, do we want to talk about the uh, the Michael Keaton thing? I guess. I mean, it sounds like that never really went very far. Originally, Michael Keaton was going to be the Jack character, and he was going to he was going to be killed by the monster at the end of the pilot here. Yeah, um, and Kate would be the star then after that. But apparently, by the time they had cast Matthew Fox, like that was already way out the window. Well, because I think they realized we need a doctor. <laughs> yeah, and I just I don't think it's I think it's one of those things where you sit around and be like, wouldn't it be cool if we set it up so you think he's a major character, but then he dies? You know, it's like psycho or something. But like in actuality, for a TV show, no, you kind of just need to commit to some characters. You know? Well, and I think that was one of those gimmicks that a lot of people were trying to do. I can't remember if Jesse's in the actual credits of the first episode of Buffy, but like, oh, yeah. They wanted us to think that Jesse was going to be a player and then, oh, no, he dies. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the like I said, that that he's like shivering with pain, totally vulnerable as he asks her if she wouldn't mind. Yeah, she sewed some drapes once. We see that in a flashback, don't we? I'm trying to remember if we actually do. I think it's when she's uh, engaged to uh, Captain Mal. Oh, OK. But she's been the housewife for like yeah. three months. Yeah. Um, so then we get like the, what I found fascinating Sawyer is introduced in this shot that is both like villainous and misunderstood rogue at the same time. Like he's like lighting up a cigarette, like a bad guy and he stares at the wreckage and he kind of has this like Sawyer, um, Josh Holloway, like Uh all shucks smoldering strut that he does. His hair also completely changes from this episode to like third and fourth. (laughs) Like it's like way longer after the pilot. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, I just love that when they do like uh, it's season one finale where you have all like the flashbacks, of everyone getting on the plane uh-huh. and it's like he just combs it way back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Locke staring at the ocean and that's when we get our, you know, directed by J.J. Abrams card. This is uh, the Locke character. J.J. and Damon Lindelof were the writers to this, right? And Jeffrey Lieber. He was. Yeah, I think well, he had a story by, but yeah, not, not story, a story by Jeffrey Lieber. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey Lieber, I really wonder what's he think of all this? was 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 it him or Lloyd Braun who had the idea for the show? I think it was Lloyd Braun because it was basically like somebody at ABC was like, let's do a show about a plane crash or like people crash on an island. Mm-hmm. And like that was it, you know, and then it's like the Hollywood machinery got into motion. Like, it's crazy how the show even exists, you know, like that's like there's a whole podcast right there on like how they came up with these characters and the like, you know, the plot lines and whatnot. But it was basically just like. Some executive had a good idea for once and was like, we should do a show about this. And then they just like went out and found the people to make it. But also in classic executive way, that's all they had. Yeah. We should do a show about a plane crash. Go. Um, I remember there was an excerpt from some book that was supposedly coming out. Did you ever know if it came out? 
about the like behind the scenes of Lost? Uh, I don't know. It might have. I mean, I feel like a lot of those came out in the past two years or so. Like a lot of like retrospectives. It's, it blew my fucking mind to know that the show has been off the air for ten years. But there's a great yeah. So J.J. Abrams, like he could, he didn't want to like write it alone when it came to him. Um, and there's a great quote in the showrunners documentary with Damon Lindelof where he's talking about how like on a Friday afternoon, he gets a call from his agent saying, do you want to meet with JJ Abrams on Monday to talk about like writing this thing? Cause they know Damon Lindelof cause he did like a short script about uh, a bunch of time travelers who come to like a kid's dinner party, which I've seen the sure. Yeah, It's pretty, it's pretty good. It's got Thor in it. Um, but he said now, like knowing all the things that I've known and all the pressure that be put upon <laughs> me and all the drama that come with it. If I had known what I know now, then I would have said, no, I do not want to take that meeting. I mean, that's just depressing to me. You know, like the, the yeah. amount of shit those guys got for making this show. Well, and, and Lindelof and Q's are quite frankly, the version of, uh, Benioff and Weiss that, uh, didn't fail us. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask. Though. There some. are there are a lot of people who really hated the ending of the show. I was fine with it. Um, I, I, I think I if probably. anything, they explained a little too much in some of the episodes before the finale. Like I, mm. I would have pulled back on a few things there. But um, <laughs> as opposed to like finding out that that was like Jack's twin yeah. <laughs> the entire I mean, time. <laughs> without giving too much way about the finale, I think that they they were smart to lean towards the characters instead of the mystery because that's where the strength of the show was. And I know that that bothers a lot of people who wanted more of the mystery, but I don't think it would have worked nearly as well if they kind of went in the other direction. There's only like one complaint I have about like the monster. Um, but anyway, when we come back to Kate as she's working, she straight up is like, I might throw up on you. <laughs> and then well, she's like, talking about the fear and he's like well fear is sort of an odd thing and i want jack to be like it's an aphrodisiac <laughs> he goes into his whole story about how he's like doing spinal surgery and like accidentally like cut the uh i don't know what was it like the something sack or i don't know yeah the, her yeah, dural so. sack uh after a 14 hour operation and all spilled out like angel hair pasta which just sounds horrifying i get it confused with with whatever ren was uh Versa sack. Was, yeah yeah um so the the joke that I always remember from the commentary from this is that uh, for a while Boone's name was, was five, five. Yeah. and so they did like a, a control replace a control replace or whatever on that. But for a while, when Kate's scared of the monster later, she's just like one, two, three, four, Boone. <laughs> yeah, because five have been replaced with Boone in script. <laughs> so we see Shannon and Boone then, which is wild considering what we will see, like the fucking tennis match of their relationship in flashbacks, which is fucked up i stand for shannon so hard i'm sorry I, H- haters I, I come at me shannon's great i agree like even i think because i think we see boone's side of it first well here's the thing i'll, I'll feels... even stand for boone i feel like both those characters got a little bit of a raw deal i well i definitely will will back up shannon first but uh I feel like the thing with Boone is my read, especially watching these episodes now, is that I feel like he really wants to come off as a good guy, almost to throw it in her face. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. There's there's certain characters like Michael, for example, where I, I think they just didn't have as much of an idea for, where like their characters just don't get to go the places. And I, I think it, like the show could have used a little bit more balance between like the Jack Locke, Sawyer Kate, and people like mm-hmm. Boone and Shannon and Michael. 
Because I, I feel yeah. like ultimately you start, especially when you start to get into like season three, there's like too many flashback episodes for like Jack or Locke. It's like we kind of yeah. actually like this is too much and it's like detracting, whereas we could have used more from some of those other characters. When they show that they clearly can handle other characters when you when you finally get to see the backstory of Nikki and takes a shit guy. Yeah. I mean, like Shannon's we're not talking about it, obviously, but like her episode's really sad. Like it's like, yeah. oh, Shannon was actually like a pretty cool person who had like an extremely raw deal, which is why she kind of turned out the way she did. And it's like, oh, and then she's dead. Well, because, yeah, Shannon is, is pretty much abused by the patriarchy and Boone's mom mm-hmm. um, and has to become the person she has to become to survive. Um, I mean, she's you could argue that her her antics here on the beach are are, are a shock response. Yeah. Too. I mean, she's introduced to the show screaming in terror. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say no, because I was going to say at the beginning of Walkabout, but like. I love that image of Shannon screaming. Like she's just like screaming full open mouth, like hands at her side. It is such an easy hallmark image to go back to every time yeah. that you quickly visually need to tell us where we are in the timeline. Boom. Shannon screaming. And we're like, fuck. Okay. I know where we are. Pretty much. I'm just going to be creaming about the show, this whole episode. Right, it's going to suck for people. Well, it's, it's um, funny. We, we get a lot more Shannon and Boone in this than some of the other characters. Like we get, a little bit of Saeed, but not a ton. You know, we barely get any of Sun and Jen. Like Sun and be, Jen is basically just like Jen, like tells Sun, like stick close to me. You know, like that's, yeah, that's yeah. about it. Well, it's going to be true to Saeed's character because eventually he's the uh, the creature that if you let him spread his wings fully, the show's over. Yeah, we. I think we were saying about that that about Saeed since like I don't know season three at most maybe like they no, had no, to, even season one. Even well, season one. There's a part where he's just like. I regret what I've done. I need to go walk oh, the no, beach no, no. for several episodes. I, I know that happens in season one, but I, like we've literally been saying that about the character since at least season mm-hmm. three of the show, Arian, I think, where it's like, this guy is so good and so competent that they have to get rid of him every once in a while. They got to get yeah. him away from the rest of the cast. <laughs> oh, there's a helicopter? I shall get on it so that I do not solve the plot. She's going to go walk I mean, around the island for a while. They were probably thrilled when he like uh, knocked up Barbara Hershey and had to go like visit her in L.A. <laughs> once in a while. Um, but yeah, I love how they play Sun and Jen. Like we only understand what they're saying. We only get the subtitles like when they're alone. Uh-huh. If there's an English speaker like in the room, so to speak, like we never know what they're saying. Which is an interesting rule, and I'm kind of glad they stuck with it. And they really they, they really commit to it like long term. Yeah. 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 Um, so my next note has to do when uh, Jack's made a little airplane out of the palm frond to like mansplain <laughs> to Kate how the plane crashed. And then Thanks, he has Jack. this great moment where he's just like, the turbulence was so. <sighs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I was awake for it. <laughs> and we see that uh, whole flashback, too. And I think it's in part two, the pilot. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And it, it is pretty fucking terrifying to see the back of the plane, which I mean, pretty good effects too for like 2004 here. All done on like Brian Burke's laptop. Yeah, I mean the monster alone, like that is, I'm gonna say it's a lot, some variation of it, like that should not look as good as it does. Yeah. Okay. So the monster. So basically, they, uh, they're it's night and like they're settling down, and then like trees are just like getting knocked over, and there's like weird noises out in the woods. And it's like, what the fuck is that? Like, what a great hook. What's interesting is that it's happening at this like little like chat fireside. And there's this cute way when Jack is just like, uh, 
I don't know your name. And she's like, Kay. You know. <laughs> and of course, Walt is like, hey, is that Vincent? Yeah, he, he does have a very charming way of being like, I uh I don't know your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then so um, they decide they're gonna they need to go find the transceiver uh for the that might be in the cockpit because the cockpit got separated from the rest of the plane. So they're gonna hike into the woods where Kate thinks she saw smoke. And Charlie decides to come with them. Weird little he's he's got some energy, you know. He's got some real yeah. hobbit energy. You all, everybody. Yeah, we find out he is in dry shaft. Second tour of Finland. And her uh, her friend Beth would freak. Yeah. Well, I'm trying where the line is where she's just like, oh, yeah, you guys were great. And he's like, we are great. Come back, you know. Yeah. Um, what I think is interesting because I, I feel like that character was clearly written to be older, maybe. I, eh. I don't know. It's kind of wild that he's so young. I, I, mean, I, I, I guess he's like mid twenties. I don't know. Also, he's a fucking bass player. Yeah. I mean, of course, Charlie's the bass player. I mean, he doesn't have drummer energy, so he'd have to be the bass player. Oh, he's too short to be a drummer. Come on, drummers can be short. Can they? Yeah. I feel like in the hierarchy of a band, the drummer's getting laid way before the bass player. I don't know about that, man. We all know the, you know, what's the last thing a drummer says before he gets fired from a band. Yeah, I wrote this song. Or you want to hear my new song? Here's my new song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You tell that to Larry Mullins Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Who would tell you still that it's probably, that U2 is still his band. Um, Do we get to the flashback with uh, Jack and Cindy? Yeah, yeah. So, like, she's, like, waiting for him to give her his number. Or give him, yeah. I think I said that, that right. They are awkwardly flirting with each other, for sure. If a flight like, attendant just decides to give you free booze, yeah, like you got to be like, so what are you doing when you land? You know? Yeah, yeah. Which is, again, excellent because Jack's a raging alcoholic. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Charlie runs past. Like, you get like this kind of uh, you know beginning of Pulp Fiction thing where like Charlie runs past, and it's like, oh, I wonder what that is. We'll find out later. Um, and Jack talks to like Rose while they're in the bath while Bernard's in the bathroom. Jack just completely um, failing to, uh, you know, like assage the situation there. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just turbulence. It's going to be fine. And then they crash. Well, I just love that he's just like, don't worry. I promise I'll keep you company until he gets back. And then like later, she's like, you don't have to keep your promise. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've been through a fucking day. <laughs> it's like, I'm a doctor. We say shit all the time. We don't mean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's weird, like post nine eleven plane travel, this sticks with me more than any of the other travel restrictions or like remember you like take your shoes off, maybe you still do. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been on a plane. But yeah, you but still like, do I, I think, yeah. This this has started like me looking at my fellow passengers on planes a little bit harder than I used to. It's just thinking like, if this plane goes down, who's who? <laughs> who's the secret millionaire? Who's the secret paraplegic, et cetera. Um, then we get well, like one of my favorite shots after the flashback. We like cut to the ocean. We get this brilliant shot where we're looking at like half of Jack's face in the foreground while the other passengers are mulling about behind him. And the camera just like pans along Jack's face to the other half as he's making a decision. And then Kate steps in the frame behind him. And the camera just wants to move and 
the way it conveys information or the the, the experiential data of these characters, I think, is amazing and understated. Yeah, we should also uh, say most of the shows shot on location in Hawaii. It looks amazing. Like you just you cannot be shooting on a beach in Hawaii, like and and not have it be green screen. Yeah, just like the way the lighting looks. There's a lot of shots at like golden hour and like sundown. Like it just looks incredible. For for all the people who just found out that a Mamma Mia was shot on green screen, <laughs> or what we what was that movie we saw Gemini Man, which looks terrible because everything looks like it's green screened. Yeah, because it's all um, like sixty frames per second, whatever. Yeah, but so this leads to my second favorite moment from the pilot. You know, is they're going to go on this this trek into the jungle to find the cockpit. Oh, of Jack's, course, this is your moment. Yeah, yeah. And Jack's like, "Well, you're going to need better shoes." So Kate goes to take the shoes off of a dead man, feeling horrible about it. And then she looks over, and there's like Locke watching her, maybe judging her. And then he opens his mouth to reveal he's got like an orange rind, like he's like like maybe trying to make her laugh. But it doesn't work. She's just like, <laughs> he just what like the looks fuck? down. Yeah. yeah, she's just like, God damn. And he just like looks down like a little embarrassed and kind of turns away. Well, just the grimness of having to take the shoes off of a dead person. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, if, uh, I mean, I think I already said this in our uh, opening statements here, but like, if you told me, like, you're going to crash on an island, we can't guarantee your safety on the island, but you will make it to the island in one piece without any major injuries. Do you do it? I'd be like, fuck yes. Send me. I'm intrigued. Okay. Would you? I'm intrigued. Like I, here's the thing. I don't love camping because I don't like to pretend like I'm homeless in the woods. But, you know, if there's like an end game, you know I, what I mean? Like if I like, like if you're like, we're going to be there for three weeks, I'd be like, okay. I feel like it's just so the, uh, the allure of, I don't know, reinventing yourself in a more essential manner. All the bullshit like of normal life falls away. And yeah. So you would pack a suitcase full of knives. <laughs> I mean, like, I also, when it was first on, I watched the first season of Survivor and I was like, ooh, that's not glamorous. <laughs> Poor Colleen. That is not glamorous. Um, like a lot of multimillionaires, Hurley can't spell the word bodies. He's something of a warrior where he's from. <laughs> um yeah so this is the the Kate jack and charlie go for a walk the like you're saying um vincent watches them ominously vincent watches charlie's clearly trying to hit on kate the whole time and she's just like ha 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 i don't even see you as a prospect because i'm with jack which is wild considering they dated for like two years <laughs> yeah yeah that's what's funny which never made sense to me because you know i don't want to get into celebrities love lives but it never made sense to me also, well, I one she's time, taller than him. Well, one time I saw a picture where somebody like swapped their heads onto each other's bodies in like a, like a beach pick, like they were both in swimwear. Hmm. And I was like, "That looks oddly right." Like, okay, okay, yeah. Um, also, we're we're talking about this under the grim shadow of Angeline Lilly telling people don't stay at home during COVID. Uh, she she apologized for that, so you know. Uh, um, I'm, gl- I'm so glad this- she's willing to listen to Shannon and find reason. Well, I like that. Like Dan Day Kim's video, like two days later, was just like, "I will tell you, yeah. stay home." <laughs> um, another shot of like Locke just by himself on the beach as the thunder rolls in. the The way they set up Locke so simply, so easily. 
but like also in the kind of a generic way, like like you know, his whole like do you want to play a game thing is like so textbook. Well, they're not trying too hard with it. Yeah. No. Um, so anyway, so they, they get, the, they yeah, they get to the, the, the cockpit. Fucking Greg Grunberg. Greg Grunberg as the pilot. Charlie Bean's like sleazy. He just like disappears for a little while there. What's like, are you eating the heroin? <laughs> I guess that's what he's doing. He's like rubbing it into his gums to like absorb okay. it or something. Yeah, I was, I was, my familiar with, familiarity with heroin at this point was like, it was like you injected it. You know, which yeah. I, I guess this is like a different kind that you just like, I don't know, eat, I guess, or rub on your gums. Yeah. Um, like, I never really cared for the religious aspect of certain characters on Lost, even though it did fit into the themes of other characters. But it was hilarious when they find the uh, <laughs> the Virgin Mary yeah. statues. Um, but was Greg Grunberg, was he already the cop on Heroes at this point? Or was this after? I don't remember. Heroes season one was season three of Lost, I believe. So okay. he wasn't the okay. cop yet. Yeah. Okay. So we find out six hours in, the radio went out. No one could see them. They turned around to land in Fiji. They, pro- they probably crashed. The radio, the radio went out, and so nobody knows where they are. Yeah, they, they probably crashed about a thousand miles off course. So if they're being looked for, it's in the wrong place. And then the monster appears and eats Greg Grunberg. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's. If you're going to pick a time to be high, it's when the monster's attacking. Sure. Also, in the cockpit, Kate like just throws herself in the Jack's arms. They are already adorable. There's a lot of physicality in this show. I was noticing through everything, which like you can't really avoid it. You know, like everyone's mm-hmm. kind of like grabbing onto each other and pulling each other up, and all. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this is this isn't a regular society anymore. You know, this is a much more kind of intimate experience here. It's a very sexy time. Uh-huh. It's a very sexy time, and it's like it's 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 consensual grabbing. It's not like Joe Biden grabbing. It's not groping, um, but it's like, yeah, like we're like, I'm gonna have to like pick your body up and shove it somewhere, kind of grabbing, you know. Ooh, say that again, but slower. Yeah. Um, when the pilot shimmies out the window, he gets squeezed like a ketchup package across <laughs> the windows, <laughs> and then they find him later. Yeah, this is my favorite Greg Runberg role ever <laughs> oh it's it's just enough of him you know yeah exactly this is about as much greg grunberg as i can stand all right so we should i don't know we should get going we're in podcasting hour so the end of this episode is the monster chases them kate goes and hides and then, and then just like goes away and the rain stops and then jack walks up we thought he was dead he's not charlie's mm-hmm. like hey i'm fine by the way and they're like who are you um, he's like I heard you shout I heard you shout Jack I'm Charlie by the way yeah. and she's like yeah she's like I don't know if he knows or not but he's taller yeah. and he's he's more muscular so who are you and he's insane yeah <laughs> he's got the kind of energy I am into yeah because I'm a train wreck yeah. you don't know it yet though so they find the uh, the pilot's body is this where we get the guys where are we or is that later that's, I think that's the, the polar of, bear right it's the end of part two yeah yeah um so skipping over, oh, what's it called? What's the next one after the pilot? Uh, Tabula Rasa. Tabula Rasa has a moment that I, it's like, it's an okay episode. It's kind of, I feel like a placeholder. It's got one of my favorite moments when uh, Sawyer asserting himself as the other leg in the love triangle goes to, uh, to kill the guy. 
and like Jack is furious at him. And then like you hear, you hear the guy the like, yeah. you hear him like gurgling. It's just like Jack's like, God damn it. You can't even shoot a guy. Right. And he has to go imagine, like, imagine getting cucked with how well him. you mercy kill someone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so episode four, walkabout, John Locke. This is where everyone comes. It's a great episode. I, I will say over time, I've liked Locke less. I don't know if you, yeah. if you agree, disagree, yeah. but there, like I like on this rewatch of these episodes, I found that I was enjoying Claire more than I used to. I used to just like I could not stand Claire at all, but I found her much more palatable. And Locke, I don't know if it's just because I know where it ends up going, or just because he has like one too many flashback episodes or so. But like some of his like angry old manness, I was just like. Ugh. It's weird watching the show how I would like relate to Locke when it was first on. Because <laughs> like you totally get his like he's got a purpose and then like some part of that purpose fails him and he feels lost again. And it's like this is his life. Like he's on this like fucking mm-hmm. yo-yo. Um, but like the coolest mo- moment ever is was in even the commercial of that episode when he's just like, just wait till you see what I'm about to do. And you're like, oh shit, Locke's badass. Um, and then he has a super tragic ending. Um, and Claire, who had been in the uh, original Roswell, is where I knew her from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- I forgot how like just adorable Emily the Raven was. Yeah, I feel like when I first watched it, I was just like, "Oh, it's a girl with a baby. Babies are annoying." But like, I don't know. Maybe if I watch more of it, I'd kind of fall into that you know mood again. But what I was seeing in these episodes, I was like, "Oh yeah, Claire was a lot of fun actually." I mean, it's it's like what is it? Season five, Claire. That's a little tough. Season five, season six, when you're like, good God, what does Claire's hair smell like? Ooh. I, I kind of want to see. I, I did not watch any of those episodes like since the show aired. So I'd be curious to see yeah. what I thought of it this time. I uh, also I know we're like an hour in this, but guys, thank you lucky fucking stars that I haven't been asking constantly. What does everyone smell like at this point? Because good God, who do you think smells the best on the show? The best son. Son. OK. Yeah, doesn't she just look like she's always effervescent? Sons found some like kind of like herbal like deodorant or something like that. Yeah. When she knows how to like brush her teeth herbally, mm-hmm. I just feel like she's she looks like her clothes look cleaner. Like Locke's shirt in this part, like it's not. It wasn't originally a brown shirt, well, right? Well, it was a white shirt. Let me ask you this question: Who smells more like pure sex, Jack Sawyer or Saeed? Oh, that's. Uh... I bet Saeed smells really good. Uh, Jack probably has that kind of maniac odor that you just want to get down with. I feel like here's the thing. I like Sawyer and you like Sawyer more as the show progresses. But I feel like there's always like a hint of like semen and like uh, his like his smell palette. You know what I mean? Well, you, you definitely like that guy's he's had to go to uh, the clinic a few times. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like they even talk about it. Oh, like, yeah. The, actually, in lockdown, like, the they do. Thing? Yeah. OK. But I mean, like. Who do you think is like jerking it more in the show? I feel like Sawyer's taking the cake. Oh, good question. Uh, no, not Charlie though, man. That guy's cranking his hog nonstop on the island. I'm, I'm just saying. I think Sawyer's got more jam. Do you think? Do Do Charlie and Claire ever really hook up? I'm trying to remember if like, because like they kiss a few times, but like, do they really ever go to that next level, or is he always just kind of constantly in the friend zone? Look, here's the thing. I don't want to bag on Dominic Monaghan too mm-hmm. much, but when I look at that guy, I don't see anything that you'd want to have sex with. I just feel like Claire's like, 
I'll kiss you and you can like sleep next to me in the tent. Yeah. Well, like maybe some like over the clothes, some like rubbing and bumping. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. walk about. Yeah. Um, we got Colonel Locke answering the phone. Well, top moments for Locke for a walk. Oh yeah, that's right. Top moments. Um, I mean, I, this is boring because I feel like we have to have the same one here. It's the ending, right? It's the big reveal. Yeah. It's, yeah. Don't yeah. tell me what I can't do. Yeah. Well, that juxtaposed of him watching the wheelchair like burning, seeing, or, seeing or him wake up. Yeah, the flashbacks to him waking up on the yeah. island and like moving his toe and all that. Yeah. My my tie will come very quickly in the episode. So is uh, it we, start... we hunt? No, actually, it's right before that. Okay. Or yeah, it's right before that. So we can start back at the chaotic moment of the plane crash. Again, his eye opens. He looks down at his feet. He's like wiggling his toe because his shoes come off. And as an audience member, like, I don't know, this this should be annoying, but it's not. The way this works and like the way they organically are just placing this in front of you. Because I feel like later on, uh, one of the sh- things the show is guilty of is like it presents to you the easy to guess option and then it kind of is like oh maybe it won't happen and then it's like clearly does happen well, i think part here, of that is like we were on to the show's tricks also here like it completely yeah. like you nobody suspected this was coming you know it was just right, like yeah. completely like just an or to the face but yeah the lock twist is like holy shit look what the show is capable of on like episode four mm. fuck um but yeah, the show gets a lot of real estate, like I said, out of that image of Shannon screaming. It's like, you call back, you know exactly where we are here. Um, but yeah, you just, you get Locke processing the shock and then he like, it feels so organic because he's like, he's like getting up and he hears Jack call his name and anyway. He just runs over um, and helps, yeah. Yeah, and he's so excited to do that, yeah. So then we're like, it's night on the beach, we're like setting up this love triangle, there's commotion in the dark and the fuselage. I love this moment where like Kate wakes up Jack comes running over to her. He's got this like just this hand out towards her, like this like protective gesture. Like he's not even looking at her. Oh, there's um, a like, lot of like Jack will like kind of like put an arm on her shoulder where it's like yeah. that's not really too intimate or at least like in this situation they're in where they're kind of like, you know, touching each other constantly. It's not like it's like putting it on the small of her back or something like that. You know, so it's like right. they walk a really fine line with Jack and Kate where it's like these two obviously want a bone, but they like never acknowledge it with each other. And there's just like this constant sexual tension that's unresolved. Well, in like in the morality of TV show characters, it's like, Oh, it'd be crass if we just went straight to the bone zone. Yeah. Even though like we both know, you know, we've, we've bought the ticket. We're going to take that fucking ride. But also, I mean, you're on an island there. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know where you, where you cash that ticket, but you're sleeping on the beach. There's a bunch of people around. But I mean, like there's like in a different kind of story, like in Rachel getting married, it's like you would see them just like like going at it against a palm tree. And it's just like, well, they're sex addicts, whatever. <laughs> but like but meanwhile, the other characters, like you're saying, are like you bought a ticket. Well, you're, you're like they haven't called, you know, for the flight yet. You haven't gone on the flight. I'm just saying you might take a different bone zone route. But anyway, so they're like, ooh, someone's in the fuselage and Jack's just like Sawyer. <laughs> and Sawyer's right next to me. He's just like right here, jackass. So Jack goes to investigate with his little pocket flashlight. And then Sawyer comes alongside him with this massive flashlight. Yeah, it's like that's probably my, like, that's my number two moment. Probably from, uh, I don't know, like the emergency kit on the plane or something. Yeah, he's got this huge ass flashlight. <laughs> Which is great. But of course, even though I don't think J.J. Abrams is that involved with the show at this point. But it's like, yeah, we saw this joke in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, this island has polar bears and wild boars. Wild boars, and then we get the whole like next morning conversation where everyone's like freaking out about what to do about the wild boars, and then just a big oh. old knife sticking next to Sora there in the seats. I would say also the uh, the the placeholder for like the character who like while running away falls down and needs to be picked up by Jack and carried away is Charlie. Yeah. But yeah, Locke's just like we hunt, you know, and they're just like, what are we gonna do with like one knife? And then he just like kicks open his suitcase that he found and it's full of knives, and everyone's like, uh, cool. But like that's probably gonna be useful, but at the same time, who the fuck are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even on the walkabout, it's like you can't carry all those knives. Um, there's so many great touches here. Like Jack wants to like burn the bodies in the fuselage because they fucking stink, and there's no, they're just going to attract more wild animals. And he's like, "We'll do it tomorrow night." And then Charlie's like, "Well, if he's so eager to burn the bodies, why are we waiting till sundown?" And Kate's just like grimly like, "He's hoping someone will see it." <laughs> well, and yeah, also, Saeed's like kind of like he doesn't feel great about this. You know, he's like, you know, these people's religions they you know they might have different wishes for how to you know be buried or whatnot and then like claire is like kind of like on jack through the whole episode of like hey like what do we want to do do you want to like say something he's like yeah i'm not really about that so yeah oh he's he is so comically hilarious with his uh spoiler like sister there where he's just like i don't know why you're handing this to me oh and then we will find out of course in the next episode is because he was in Australia where the flight began to pick up his father, his father's dead body. And he's mm. supposed to be on his way to a funeral. And so he really doesn't want to give a eulogy right now for other people. Yeah. Um, we'll find out here that Saeed is not only a badass and a tortured romantic hero and a torturer, he's also a mechanical genius. <laughs> God, I love Saeed. Um, and he's soulful, like you said. He's just like really concerned about these people's like faiths and and shit like that. He's got like a broodiness to him, but like it's always like he has a a practicality that will override that, you know? Yeah. Well, I feel like the whole thing. I think it's season one. Yeah, it's season one where like he's torturing Sawyer. Is it's almost like those two characters are like wrestling for the same usual slot <laughs> in the cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who could be the broody, quiet, romantic hero? And then Sawyer wins that round. Um, yeah, but I love when he throws the knife at the chair next to Sawyer. Jack hands back to Locke, and he's just like, can't tell if you've got really good aim or really bad aim. <laughs> uh, or so what did you think when you first saw these uh, these Locke flashbacks? These here? Um, yeah. Colonel Locke. Colonel Locke and all that. I think... I was it's it's hard to say because it was such a long time ago. I think my my impression was that this was some sort of like prepper type of personality okay. or something like that, you know, um, yeah. just not necessarily a prepper, but just that sort of, uh, I don't know, cosplaying um, worst yeah, case scenario is, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Randy shows up as his boss, not even just complaining about the TPS reports. He's such but an I think ass. This is the, I think this is the exact layout of Ron Goldman's desk and office space. Oh, nice. I, th- I think it is. Like, I don't know. I haven't gone back to office space. But yeah, what a fucking career trajectory for Randy Nations. He's the asshole manager of a Mr. Klux. His employee wins the lottery, makes him a real kind of a middle manager in boring office world. Well, and he's just such a dick to Locke. He's just like making fun of him and no personal calls and all this. Like, and it's Locke is clearly at least like 20 years older than this guy. And 
Yeah. You know, and I don't think people who are elderly like deserve like automatic respect or anything, but I feel like there's something to be said for respecting your elders, you know, like don't be an asshole to people. Or at like least that. your employees. Yeah. I mean, I don't think like Locke is phoning in his work per se, but like he's like invading his like his desk space and like getting his shit. And then like later when he just shows up in the lunchroom and just like puts this guy fucking down in front of another employee. When they're just like playing risk or whatever it is they're playing. Yeah. He's yeah. just like making fun of them and it's like, oh, found this on your desk. You can't do this. Well, and the funny thing is, if I see two employees in my job who are doing this and one of them's Colonel Locke and the other's GL twelve, <laughs> I'd be making fun of GL twelve. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't say shit to that guy. Um so Jack points out back on the on the, the present I mean, day think, on the beach. Like Randy should like he should be fired for some sort of discrimination, right? Like Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know that Randy has touched a female employee in a I weird just, way. I just feel For like sure. if you found out that your employee is going on a walkabout and you just like tease them mercilessly and say like you can't you're, do this. Like you're a handicapped employee. Yeah. 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 Um, Randy needs to Randy's gonna get me tooed like at some point in his life. Randy's um, gonna have to sit down and watch some videos. Like a lot of videos. Um uh, Jack points out that whenever there's a dangerous trek into the jungle, like Kate always volunteers. Yeah. And she's just yeah. like, she doesn't really comment on that. You know, she's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I love that. Like you see it in the pilot, but like after that, they could always like put Kate in trees. Cause Evangeline really loves to climb trees. Okay. That Kate, uh, she's always climbing trees and not doing what she's told. Yeah. Wait a minute. Um, Michael and Locke are in this weird struggle, which I kind of forgot about at least on Michael's end, for, like the respect of Walt. The uh, the Walt Michael relationship I forgot we forgot to talk about uh, in the pilot the first thing you hear Michael say is his catchphrase Walt! yeah good God um, that's what I mean like characters like getting the shaft like I really feel like they didn't give Michael much else to work with besides they took my son you know yeah I mean like it's really interesting plot stuff that he gets but it does kind of give him short shrift. Um, I know like later on, uh, Harry Perno, like, you know, he was like pissed that he was written off the show and he's just like, why don't we get a scene where like the black man gets to reunite with his son and like show that relationship. And it's like, you got a point. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. Um, but yeah, Michael's asking son to watch Walt while he goes off in the jungle in that, that terrible asshole way. Whenever you try to ask a person who doesn't speak English or you, so you think, <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the thing we're talking about with uh, Claire finding the photo albums and Jack's like, yeah, that's not for me. Um, well, because people have started to turn to Jack as the, the de facto leader because he's yeah. he, somewhat is, but like he doesn't really want it. Like Jack, I think wants people to listen to him when he speaks, but he doesn't want to be a leader. Is kind of the not impression until, I get. Until the that's next the episode. next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating because he gets that confidence boost essentially from Locke, uh-huh. which I always love the way this show would handle that. Like not just there, but like when your enemy is the one to kind of pep talk you and build you back up. Like later on, at this on, point, they're like, not enemies, but yeah, you're right. right but like it's like later on, it's like Benjamin Linus. who's just like, Hey Jack, get off the fucking sauce and get your life together. <laughs> um, but yeah, Boone cares about everyone. I think it's just to rub Shannon's face in it. Um, so there's this whole like thing about how she can't take care of herself. She can't get a fish. And she's just like... Because well, they got to figure out how to eat. That, that's like... Yeah. The, the, the fun thing about these early episodes of Lost is that like 
they have to start figuring out, okay, like the rescue may not be coming. We're going to have to kind of find a way to survive here. And so it's like food, shelter, water, you know, like all these things become like major priorities. And so it's like, Shannon, you can't fend for yourself. Like you can't even catch a fish. And so she's like, watch me. This is like my favorite subplot of this episode, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's fucking great. She just like goes, finds Charlie, just a little bit of flirting with Charlie. And she's like, so do you know anything about fishing? And then I like cut to like Charlie and Hurley trying to catch a fish. It's, it's very like Puckleberry Finn esque, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or she's just like mm-hmm. convinced somebody else to do the work for her. It started their friendship uh, between Charlie and Hurley. Also, it's funny when she goes to ask Charlie and she's like just sweet and bubbly and everything and manipulating him. He when he's in the throes of his like needing heroin now, uh-huh. you would forget that he played a hobbit and not actual Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I love that like later on there's like kind of this love story between Charlie and Claire, which is like maybe the number 10 love story or a couple on the show but like at the beginning like charlie is just up for any girl that would give him attention he's going after kate he's going after shannon in this episode when those two don't look like they're gonna work out at all he's like so claire what's up yeah i would say i would say that shannon looks like she smells pretty great but also like i know she's been sunning at this point so there's got to be some perspiration i think there's some sort of joke it might have been in like a deleted scene or something where like she charlie gets like her like uh, sunscreen it's like a very low spf Mm. nice yeah she probably smells like coconuts yeah um yeah michael gets gored by a boar when they're on their hunt uh i I feel like they could have given michael just give him some wins you know yeah he's just taking l's constantly through this whole show well he's he's kind of a little bitch in the uh in translation too yeah that's the thing you know yeah, um, which is funny because it's like what he's doing is pretty impressive, like building that raft. Like that first raft looks kind of like cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's got a cabin. It's got like a sun deck. There's the helipad over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, knock, our lock gets knocked over again, which causes Lucas' foot again. Or flashback. Randy comes in the bust his balls hardcore like we were talking about. Jesus fucking Christ. The first mention of Helen. Helen. This will be we'll Helen find out. Two. Yeah, Helen too will eventually find out. But in this episode, we find out that Helen is like a, a phone sex operator, right? Yeah, basically something like he, that. He yeah. calls every night seemingly and he announces that he is like he's worked up his courage. He wants to he told his boss off and he's going to go on this walkabout in Australia and he's bought two tickets. And she's mm-hmm. just like, John, you know, I can't meet with my clients. And he's like, is that all I am to you? Man, that whole scene is cringe inducing. Oh yeah, She's like just John had to go and have to charge you more money. Another eighty nine ninety nine or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which first of all, Jesus Christ, Locke, is that where all your money's going? No wonder you live in a shithole. Yeah, pretty much. A giant American flag on the wall. <laughs> also, but like it's all right there. Like he's got his fucking like tens unit right by the bed. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So on the island, like Claire finds like Saggy's envelope that has the picture of Nadia in it, and it's just like, oh, well, it's I'm like, sure oh, we'll get to this. This will come up in four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Jack spends time with Rose, like just staring at the ocean, um, which is like, yeah, sure. I was tired of like uh, throwing wood on these dead bodies. I'll come hang out with you and stare at the ocean. Yeah. Uh, uh, mentions he was born to the family business of being a doctor, which is very true. Charlie and Hurley uh, trying to catch the fish is pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. 
just spearing at it. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because you don't realize that like Jin is like the fucking fish master. I think it takes a while. It, it, in one of these episodes, like Jin just kind of like reveals that like, oh, by the way, I caught like a ton of fish or something, right? Like, doesn't that happen in one of these episodes? Yeah. Well, there's also there's a subplot in one of the episodes where like because of the language barrier, Hurley doesn't realize that Jin is offering him the solution to his diarrhea problem. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Because like. Because Hurley just keeps eating all this fruit, so he just keeps shitting on <laughs> That's the thing, too. At some point, they all had to have a conversation to be like, we need to establish where, where shit holes are. Uh-huh. Where's, our, where's our shit pit? We can't all be shitting everywhere. Um, so, yeah, the, the monster shows up. Uh, Locke becomes the first person to see it. And, you know, they've got this great POV where instead of horror, he looks at it with, like, pure awe. Well, it's we don't see what he sees. Yeah, we just see the the camera swoop out of the trees right down into his face. All, all we know is that Charlie and I think it's Charlie. No, Charlie's not there. It's just uh, Kate, right? It's I like, think it's Kate, and she like she's with Michael. She's leading yeah. Michael back, and she's like, "Oh, let me climb this tree real quick for Saeed. And yeah. then they just see like uh, crazy trees, you know, breaking in the distance. And it's like, oh, that was the way Locke went. Yeah, and Locke's probably dead. Anyway, and we don't find out. I think it's in the next episode where Locke has this classic line of uh, I looked into the soul of the island and it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like the heart of it. Or whatever. He doesn't he doesn't say monster per se, but or whatever. Um, well, it's not until the uh, finale of season one that we start referring to it as the smoke monster, I believe. Uh, I don't think we ever say smoke monster until after we actually see it. I but mean, you do I, I don't mean it in the show, but I mean the people who watch the show. I feel like that was when we started calling it the smoke monster. Well, the thing you see at the end of season one, I don't think we realized was the smoke monster. And we we, see, didn't we definitely that, see smoke. But we didn't realize that that was the monster per se. Mm, I don't know. Man, I have to watch it again. I feel like it's it's clear that that is the monster and we just see those trails of black smoke. But I think it's by the end of season one where you start to also get the um, slightly more mechanical sounds. We get more of that, definitely. I mean, we get the, um, the, the in this episode, Walkabout, the noise that Locke's uh, Addy machine makes is the same noise that the monster makes. That like, yeah. 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 Which is initially was like a, from that era, like an NYC cab, like receipt printer. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, yeah. So um, Kate's mission, her like side mission was not actually to hunt. It was to like plant an antenna for Saeed, but she drops it and it breaks. And Saeed's like mad for like two seconds. And he's like, all right, I'll get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I guess I should have got the warranty. Yeah. Also, Kate's a vegetarian. So her whole hunting thing is funny, too. Um, yeah. She's like, I don't really so care. You- I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> The uh, the scene where like Charlie marches up and he's like, "Who boy, I caught you a fish," and Boone has to say like, "I am so sorry that my sister used your <laughs> dumb ass." And Chan is just like in your fucking face. Who's this guy next to me, Charlie? Who I don't know who you are right now. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the look on Charlie's when, face. Yeah, when she's like, "Can I ask you a question?" He is like, "I was hoping you would." <laughs> yeah, because he thinks um, she's going to ask him about dry shaft, but no. So we get the first sighting of Jack's dad. Right at the end, yeah, that'll lead into the next episode. He just sees like a random man, like you know, standing facing the other direction, walking into the forest. There, he follows him, and then white shoes. Yeah, yeah. and then Locke comes out. 
Um, so everyone's at the memorial service later. Jack's like sitting on the like the beach, staring at the ocean. Um, well, they do a very good job because we get the reveal of oh, Locke. You know, he used to be in a wheelchair. Now he's not. And the the look he has as he's watching the wheelchair, it's not outright sinister, but it's like, man, I don't know if I can totally trust this Locke character. Like he seemingly ran into the monster, and he's not really talking about it. Like what is going on with him? Oh, he's he flat out sparkles. Yeah. Terry Quinn's got a goddamn sparkle. He's got a light in his eyes. He's got like he's got a classic grandpa twinkle. Um, also, when Michael point blank asks Locke if he saw the monster, Locke says no. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Locke's a real like. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you mean Frankenstein's creature? I don't <laughs> yeah. think he's a monster. Oh no, you're referring to Frankenstein's monster. I saw Frankenstein. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the the classic and the thing like, don't tell me what I can what I can't do. And the guy's just like. You misrepresented yourself. Yeah. I mean, I don't know legally where Locke stands there, but I'm sure there's some sort of like boilerplate disclaimer or something. Yeah. Well, they're going to fly him back to Sydney on their time. That's the mm-hmm. best they can do. Also, there's no other employees in that office. Like they're just leaving him in the office ranting. Yeah. That dude's just like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Getting on the bus. <laughs> trash, I trash your fucking office. <laughs> Here's my customer complaint. But yeah, this, my God, at the end of this, I just thought, what the fuck is this show? I mean, you have to uh, think that there must be walkabouts in Australia that are like friendly to people with disabilities, but I'm assuming that Locke would not want something like that. No, he, no, he wants the real shit. Yeah. I'm sure he called up and he's like, is this the real shit? Mm-hmm. Was he going to take Helen on this? Come on. Yeah, I know. Like if you're, if you're the, the phone sex operator, you're like, I kind of like, can we just go to the beach? Yeah. I don't really want to go on a walkabout to the center of a island that's trying to kill me constantly. If you are dating a phone sex operator, even if you could call it dating, like you gotta you gotta build that up incrementally. Like, what are you giving each other? Like hand jobs? That's what you know so far. Well, she says you can't you can't level jump to like let's dig pits for each other to shit in. She you says I mean? well, yeah, seriously. She says something about like you know I don't normally have this kind of relationship with my clients, you know. So it's like it's clear that he must ask for her every single time. The rest of them aren't as needy as you. Well, but I mean, the Helen thing almost makes you think like, can I call you Helen? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's like, well, my name is, uh, you know, Starla, but whatever. Um, But yeah, like the I was I remember being infuriated when Michael asked him if he saw the monster and he says no, because by that point I was so fucking horny to know what this creature was. (laughs) And then. Yeah, the reveal though of of his whole thing, I was just like my my mind was just fucking blown. I was like, what is this show? And I think the next time the show really did that for me, where I just stood dumbfounded in disbelief, was um, when we actually see what the monster is. Yeah, twenty third Tom, which, and I'm pretty sure we never actually get a flashback to like Locke's POV in that moment. Like they never come back to that. I think no. we, we can just kind of assume what he saw, you know, because we see the monster later. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because he's like the idea that he didn't just see a sentient cloud of gas, yeah. but like the little flashes of, you know, images and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, you know, we did a pretty good job of like breezing through walkabout. This is going to be a long episode because <laughs> live, live together, die alone. We could spend four hours on that alone. Um, yeah, I will say I was kind of the advocate for in translation. This is one of my favorite episodes of the show. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, we could have like picked 
one for each character, you know, like their their own yeah. flashback episode. But this one, I feel like we get Sun and Jin, and it's just like a really fun episode. It's like it's like a fairy tale almost, you know. Like this episode takes place in modern day South Korea, but I feel like it could this story could happen in anywhere and any time kind of thing, you know. So this episode is interesting, especially I think in contrast to the Shannon and Boone relationship, because you get the episodes in in season one where you, like you see Boone's episode about how Shannon's a monster, uh-huh. and you see Shannon's episode about how like Boone's actually the monster, um, and then like you got the episode earlier, which we thought was Sun and Jin, but really was a Sun episode, and it was about how horrible Jin had, had become. Um, and you see this one and it's really quite sweet. And it's like, this was the one where I like, even though the ending of uh, house rising sun is a great ending. Like this was the one where I was like, I am secretly really rooting for this couple. And I didn't realize it. I mean, they've got to be the top couple on the show, right? Um, it's, it's tricky because they're the, I would say that they're like the most healthy and best couple, but like, as we're going to live together, die alone. Like, Denny or Pesmond, Desmond and Penny. Desmond, I can't talk. Denny. Yeah. yeah. Denny. I don't, maybe that was their ship name. I don't, uh, know. I don't know. I still put Sun and Jin above them. I mean, that, that is a great romance there. I think they might have the most purely romantic episode. I mean, the show is like much more like into the big operatic romance of yeah. Desmond and Penny. But yeah, like I like this is clearly the healthiest relationship, even though it's got some really sick moments in it. Um, some real like adult modern road, like road bumps or bumps in the road. But, uh, also, can we just say like the saddest resolution to a real couple? It's a fucking show. bummer, man. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Ultimately, it does not go well for Sun and Jin. And how wild is it that I remember G Young and I don't remember Claire's baby's name? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Andrew, Aaron, Adam, something like that. Yeah. I think it's Aaron. Aaron, like, there we go. See that kid. Oh, do you remember the whole like the 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 tweak of uh, the twist uh, reveal of like of the um, Oceanic Six? There was actually seven, and it's like, well, we can't tell you like one of the kids or one of them. Anyway, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing about basically like this passenger was on the plane, but he didn't have a ticket. (laughs) It's Aaron. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm a huge old school lost nerd who's like trying to (laughs) dust off the files. But yeah, Um, I don't know. For me, Sun and Jin is always such a such a great romance and this episode in particular we get the the other shoe drops on it and we kind of see that like because before it's just like well jen's a fucking piece of shit you know whereas yeah. like in this episode you're like oh actually like this is totally interesting how you know he's had this whole other thing going on that we didn't know about and we kind of like oh that's where that dog comes from that's why he was covered in blood that one time you know well yet he he ultimately has the same goal as her uh-huh. which is to like run away and like fix their relationship but it's interesting because I think you could watch the end of House of Rising Sun where, like you said, there's a whole flashback where he's a monster to her. And then at the very end at the airport when she's about to leave mm-hmm. him, he holds up the flower, which is the gesture that like if he can give her nothing else, he can show her this to say I love you. Um, and I think you could read that as like, oh, here's an abuser tricking her back in. But like it played very romantic, very sweet, very hopeful. And I, I think it's fascinating because their symbol is this white flower and like or sun is like the very like organic like she does with plants uh-huh, and this whole yeah. like healing herbs and he he catches fish they're like very like of the earth which i think is fascinating um and yet the top moments they end in the sea yeah top moments yeah what's your top moment for this 
it's uh, this is where I go basic bitch again. It's okay. when someone lets go of the towel. Okay, mine mine's a different one. Mine is when Jin goes to visit his dad. Oh, that's a good one. Because through the whole time we've heard, it's like, oh, what about your dad? And he's like, oh, my dad, my father's dead, you know. And it's he mm-hmm. says it a couple times in the in the episode, mentions that his father's dead. And then towards the end, he like you just see him going out to like it's kind of like random, you know, like beach somewhere with this like old fisherman, and he's just like, hey, dad, you know. And you're like, oh shit, like it all makes sense now. And the show is written. It's not written to like be smarter than you. Mm-hmm. Like the way that they constantly play the uh it's a shame that your dad is dead and like Jin like kind of like looks away. Yeah, like, he kind of has this like sad it's look. It's like the yeah. show the show is like extending a hand to you and saying, "You know what's going on here. Come on. Come uh-huh. on with us. Like you know where this is going to go." Like it's ah, oh, the show's great. Well, they, it's not they could have made his dad enough. like kind of like a piece of shit himself or something like that. But his dad actually yeah. seems like a really good guy and he like gives Jen great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's fascinating in contrast to watching Live Together Die Alone a season and a half later <laughs> is that the same crime that like causes Jin to do all this other terrible stuff and lose his way is what Desmond is kind of guilty of, uh-huh. though differently, where like they just don't want to tell their loved one, their inamorata, like how shitty their father is. <laughs> Like, cause there's a couple of times I know, like with the culturally and just in general, like he doesn't want to show weakness. He wants to provide for her. He wants to be the man. Well, this is like this deal he's made with the devil. It's like, oh, you want my daughter? Will will you do anything for her? Okay, you're going to. But there's a couple of times when I, I I kept wanting to be like, Jim, you need to put her on the phone with that dad. It's like like have her pick up the other line. Yeah. I just I was just like, at a certain point, why wouldn't she step in and just be like? Dad, chill. Well, that's why I love that this episode is called In Translation because it, they're not communicating. If they would only talk to each other, you know, they would be like, oh shit, like we're on the same page after all. But because they haven't been able to talk to each other this whole time, that's why they see each other as antagonists. And isn't And Found also a Sun and Jin episode? I think so. It's funny that they get the two lost pun mm-hmm. episode titles. Yeah, so we start with like a close up on Jin's eye this time. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to see his perspective. So on the beach, Jin freaks out because Sun is going to go swimming in a bikini and like showing off that bod. And quite frankly, she looks great. Yeah, well, at the start, he's like, hey, hey, you got to cover up. But then at the end, of course, it's like it's time for her flower to bloom. It is funny because there was like this underlying like maybe there's going to be a Michael Jin romance or not Michael Jin. Huh? Michael, <laughs> Michael Jin, that's something else. Uh, no. Michael's son for like the I feel like they were trying to build up a Michael son thing but by the time this episode ends even though they like technically break up it's like mm-hmm. there's no way you're rooting for son and Michael at this point you're like no like it's like they just need to like go kind of like discover themselves and then get back together you know yeah well and the thing too is about the Michael yeah you definitely feel that like potential Michael son like tawdry relationship potentially but it's like again Michael Try to be a good dad to your fucking kid for once. Like, stop, stop, like trying to prove your worth as a man, which was so rooted in you losing your child. Like now, by neglecting your child further. Oh, Um, by the way, yeah, and found is definitely a a son and Jen episode. Okay, Um, so this is funny. This happens while you have the other, you know, couples. Claire and Charlie are watching. Jack and Kate are watching. I love that Jack is just like, here they go again. And well, everyone's kind of like, I don't really know what to do. Like. 
are we about to witness a domestic violence situation or is this just a couple arguing and they don't have anywhere else to be private about it? You know? Yeah. Oh my God. Just like imagine how many times you've heard someone else having sex on this beach. Okay. I'm imagining it right now. Like, like other couples going at it. Like you can tell like, Oh, someone's a screamer. Someone's a breather. Like how many times you've heard like another person on the Island, just like cranking their hog. Hmm. Yeah. Well, like, it's like fucking like Sawyer and his like palatial tent. I bet he's loud when he's by himself, too. <laughs> Jesus. Who boy? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's screaming, who boy? <laughs> All the best. Well, I think that is part of the appeal of the show is that it it's reestablishing a civilization kind of built from scratch. And so there are all these questions that arise. Like, what do you do in your new society? When a husband and wife are screwing at each other and like you start to worry that like there might be an abuse situation, you know, like how do people react to that? You know, do you have a police system or a judge or, you know, right, right. Well, and, and well, just, yeah, like when you watch your neighbors do a thing, are you one of the people who is just like, oh, you, I should step in, say something because the way they're throttling their kid or whatever. Yeah. Back to Sawyer real quick. It's funny. They're like survival. They're live together as opposed to die alone. It's like the good aspects of socialism whereas like sawyer's like the classic capitalist oh absolutely yeah <laughs> like sawyer is the fly in the socialist ointment for sure yeah. <laughs> um yeah so michael of course is the guy he's the self-righteous one who rushes <laughs> rushes in to rescue son well because he thinks and, he has some sort of i don't know relationship or connection or something with son now where he's like he's kind of mm-hmm. on her side here well and that he can only see her as abused and only see jen as an abuser which to be fair that is the energy that Jen has been broadcasting. Um, but I mean, I think a part of that, that though is thing, because right? Jen doesn't speak English. And so they, they're like no one on, no one else on the Island can connect to him and really understand his point of view on anything, you know, yeah. because they're, they're not able to communicate with him. Well, and because of her issues with this relationship, son is doing him no favors, Like she's not translating unintentionally, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because why why um, would she go explaining to other people something like that? I mean, she's trying to keep it a secret that she can speak English anyway, you know? Right, right. Because but solely because of her issues with her husband. Like they've been there for days now. You know, like like rightfully so. Everyone else is like, What the fuck, lady? Hmm. <laughs> you can speak English this whole time. Um Yeah, and this is after the whole watch thing. So like Jin still has that like handcuff on his wrist. Yeah, yeah, he still has a handcuff on. Which he's that's gotta fucking hurt. Seriously. Uh um so this is also the time where like Michael's building his raft because he's fucking had it. He's gonna take Walt Walt and get Walt. off his island. When does he start building the raft? Is that at the end of his episode? Maybe it, it would make sense. That was the thing too, for a while. If you weren't Jack Kate, Sawyer, Locke, Saeed, or Hurley, if you had an episode coming up, there was a chance you could die. Well, and, and it really seems like right from the beginning they were like how can we get Michael off this island? Oh, he's going to build a raft, you know? Yeah, like, I just yeah. think like they didn't know what to do with his character. Part of that, I think is because Walt, they're like, Oh, he'll have a, like a 10 year old son. Oh shit. 10 year olds grow quickly. What do we do? You know? Um, and I know like some of the writers who worked very short term in the show, like David Fury would claim that like they had no plan whatsoever. I would argue that in season they, one, yeah, they just if, didn't talk they, to you Fury. Yeah, we, but we like, should say Fury no, wrote uh, Walkabout, so you know, put that feather in your cap. But God, that guy seems like a tool. 
Yeah, he seems like, and, and like you gotta worry about a writer who's like written on a lot of shows in yeah. a short time. Uh-huh. But like, you know, David Fury, like we originally heard of, of course, from Buffy and Angel. But anyway, like, I feel like for a show that if if it's true and they had no plan in season one, still the end product is really good. Here's the thing: it's better when you don't have a plan. I know people don't like that because they like the idea of everything is like perfectly divinely, you know, concepted and they know exactly where they're going the whole time. But like any time a show has ever like gone with what their original idea years and years later, it doesn't work out well. Like it's much better when you don't have a plan. I think you could argue season two might have still been a time when they had no overarching plan. But like by the time they were starting season three, I think they kind of knew what they wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So only Michael and Kate know that, that son speaks English at this point, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we get the first flashback where we see Jen asking son's dad for permission to marry her, which is given as long as the dude works for him, which is like extra shitty getting your son-in-law to like be your enforcer. That's some straight up mafia when, shit. When, when it's first presented though, it's like, Oh, this is like the rich father. He wants this guy to work at his company so he can provide for his daughter. Like it doesn't seem sinister at first necessarily, you know, it's like, okay, well, that could be a pretty good setup there. You know, you got yourself like a good job now, but then it's like, you realize very quickly, like, oh no, he's actually like, he's set you up, you know, like he saw you coming a mile away and he's going to make you do anything he wants now. Which is just wild to me just because I get the power of forcing this guy to do this thing. But at the same time, this is like the guy who's now like married to your daughter. So like if this doesn't work out, there's a huge scandal associated with that. I don't know. It's like a power um, thing though. I think, I mean, he, there's a great line where he's just like, why should I let my daughter marry a man who would sell his dream so easily? And he's like, your daughter is my dream, which is cute. But like, if you track the logic of it, that doesn't work. What do you mean? Well, cause I'll sell my dreams. Oh, but she's my dream, but I'll sell her anyway. I I don't think he means it in that way, but it's like, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it sounds cute, but like the only thing missing here is for Mr. Peg to be like, uh, you got a poor person smell. (laughs) All right. That'll come up later. (laughs) So we see them on their wedding day. I think this is maybe after the wedding. Um, it's, I think it was before, but I'm not totally sure. Jin's like in his whole tuxedo and everything. Yeah. Those, um, those fucking cheekbones on Daniel Day Kim, man. Seriously. He has like a, a moment later. I think it's when she like confronts him in the uh, mm. bathroom where he just like he like hardens up and it's like, holy shit, this dude looks like he could fucking murder someone right now. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Day Kim is just one of those actors who I feel like and he's worked pretty solidly, but we still slept on him. Like mm-hmm. this dude should have a better career. He needs that like smaller role on like a prestige show. You know, if like yeah. if he could pop up on like a Westworld or something like that, like all of a sudden it'd be like, oh yeah, Daniel Day Kim, he fucking rules. I want him to have at least an award, and also I don't know what's the modern big bone you can throw, like some some like he's so and so man in the Marvel universe or whatever. <laughs> he's you know Moon Knight, I mean? yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, so the second mention, of course, in the flashbacks of Jin's dad being dead and him being weird about it, so we know it's a lie. Um, then back in present day, someone set fire to the raft. This great ominous shot of Locke seeing this. I mean, um, it, it's been so long that when I was watching this, I was like, wait, did Locke set the raft on fire? Because that's something he would do. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was well, like, I, think, I forgot it was Walt. I was like, oh, yeah, Locke probably did it because he doesn't want people to leave the island. 
Well, it's funny because they had to dole out how many things can Locke sabotage yeah. so people won't leave the island. And so he sabotaged the – he bonks whoever on the head. I think it was Saeed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the saddest part of all this, though, is you get this huge raging raft fire, and they have to, like, throw sand on this shit. I mean, good luck was, putting that fire out. I was like, that's going to take forever. Yeah. I, I think at a certain point, they're like, ah, fuck it. It's on fire. So, yeah, Michael immediately suspects Jim. He's just like, I'm going to kill the motherfucker. Yeah. Um. So, flashback. Mr. Pike sends Jennison a message to a guy. I like that. The message is, I'm very displeased. And he just goes there, and the guy's, like, clearly scared shitless. And he's like, um, yes, uh, Mr. Pike is displeased. And he's like, okay, okay, like have this dog, you know, like yeah. take this, take this puppy home. And Jen's just like, okay, like you can tell he doesn't really understand what's going on here. Yeah, he literally just said, well, he's just as pleased with you. Yeah. I love that he, the guy steals the dog out of the arms of his child. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, have this puppy, please, God, don't hurt me. <laughs> um, so, so Saeed goes to inform Boone that he's like, he's bought the ticket. He's on the train to the bone zone of Shannon. Boone has some classically. It's just like, by the way, me and your sister. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. Do you want to smell my finger now and then smell it again later? I, I don't know. Um, Saeed kind of like breaks up with Shannon based on what Boone See, I feel like Saeed should be how... a little smarter in this. I, this is one of those things where it's like you kind of had to do it for the arc. But I feel like Saeed, yeah. should, Saeed should have such a strong read on Boone where he's just like, oh, I get it. You're into her. Yeah. Well, but I think what's, you know, Saeed's not quite the cad because, like, obviously, Saeed could go back and be like, well, what if we hook up and then we break up? But no, yeah. no, he's he's looking for like romance. Yeah, um, he's a he's like looking dude. To, he wants to imprint on somebody. Yeah. Um, so Shannon goes looking for Boone and instead finds Locke because this is when Locke and Boone are like going to work in the jungle every day on the hatch. This is when Locke was all about just like dispensing like awesome like monologues about like Michelangelo or you yes. know, like built a crib or something like that. I have quoted that Michelangelo and his father yeah. speech. What do you do? Work situations so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that stops me is I always have to look up because I forget the actual Italian. <laughs> Actually, so I you know, like, I want to say like actually Google on my phone real quick and then I will just give that speech. I actually stole a tiny little bit of that in trouble. I think I think it's still in the book when uh, Jack describes like running into his dad, like walking around the house and his yep. dad say he's yep. working. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, that's how that's how the sauce is made. That's yep. how the sausage just churned out. Um, this is pre, of course, the plane falling and um, the Boone, hunting Boone being the sacrifice that the island demanded. Teresa falls up the stairs. Teresa falls down the stairs. Teresa falls up the stairs. Teresa falls down the stairs. Don't yeah. push the uh, button. So the button's bad. No button's bad. Yeah. Um, Sawyer's captured, or only fools are enslaved by time and space. Oh. Anyway, so, <laughs> Sawyer's captured Jen and kicked him in the face. Yeah, he does like a whole like like roundhouse kick or something on this dude. That should be a crime. What if you hit those cheekbones? I know. I think I think uh, then then Sawyer's foot would be damaged most likely. <laughs> Oh, I cut my foot on your cheekbones. <laughs> your incredible cheekbones. Um, so in the flashback, Mr. Pake sends Jen to go send the message for real to this dude. Has him drive a hardcore hitman over there. Well, you know this guy's a badass because he's wearing a black shirt with a black tie and an all-white suit. He's got an all-white suit, and he's like putting together the silencer on the gun. You know? And Jen's just what like, is- oh, this is what I'm doing. Fuck. 
But the shit he says is like not menacing, which makes it menacing. He's just uh-huh. like, when we leave, you will drive the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. <laughs> you will drive this car to the river. <laughs> so when they get to the house, of course, Jin runs in first and like beats the shit out of the, the guy who's and receiving like, the message. You will open the factories immediately. And then he comes out and he's just like, he got the message. Well, he like does it in front of his wife and kids. This guy's got like a fucking gorgeous like little pond, like indoor pond that he throws him in. And then afterwards, he's just like, by the way, I just saved your life. By the way, I, Mr. Secretary of Environmental Safety or whoever here, like, did you not get the message the first time? What the fuck did you think was happening? Yeah, there, man? yeah. Like, I'm like, not advocating for like, you know, mob brutality or anything, but like, come on. You had to know what he meant by that. You dodged such a bullet and you knew the bullet you were dodging. Yeah. Why are you fucking with it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of have no sympathy for that guy. I'm sad to say. You couldn't read the room the first time. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm fine. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Hmm. But in this, though, I was trying to, like, in my mind, place all of the stuff with, um, like, son's boyfriend and, like, the guy falling out of the Are you window. talking about the guy who, like, he the was actually guy. gay, but he was, like, he was like set up to be like the preferred suitor, I think. I thought they were actually sleeping together. I thought he was gay. I would swear because he was like the like, oh, you know, if we can just like get Jin out of the way, here's like, you know, who dad wanted you to marry type of thing. You know, he's like another guy from a rich family something like that. But he's the one who falls out the window. He, right? he falls out a window. I, I'm pretty Walter sure. I'm pretty sure it's oh. revealed that he's gay. I could be wrong in that. But I think that was like his secret is that like. Him and son were like a, a convenience type thing, so he could like you know pursue his own uh, affairs. Because I thought there was a thing where Mister Peck is the one who tells like Jin, like you know, like my daughter's like fooling around on you because you're such an uh-huh. ineffectual man. I, th- I think that, that that happened, but it wasn't what they thought. I think was kind okay. of the situation there. Well, and, the, and I want to say the show did a thing if they did that where it's like it's like set up in like season two. The son might have had this boyfriend. And then in like it's season like three. season three, you find out that wasn't what was going I believe it's, on. Yeah. It's Glass Ballerina, which they show that son can be a bad girl. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So we're reminded of the, the flashback in the, the House of Rising Sun where like son saw Jin come in. He's like furiously washing all of this blood off of himself. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck do you do for my dad? And he's just like, whatever your father wants me to do. And, and he has like him. just like the hardest look on his face. Yeah, yeah. Man, their relationship is so heartbreaking. I was just thinking of the one, spoilers, sorry, um, where it's the flashbacks, but like one of them's a flashback and one of them's a flash forward. And it ends at like the grave. Yeah, oh boy. Um, yeah. I was really bummed when it, when I thought that uh, Jin had died at the end of season three. Oh yeah, I think I was firmly convinced he couldn't be dead because he was like way too good of a character. But I think, wasn't he one of the DUIs? And you're like, oh, no. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On Lost, when an actor gets a DUI, you're like, oh, shit, they're going to be written off the show because that became a pattern in season two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Sawyer Drax. Like, man, they, they really needed Uber there back in the mid 2000s in Hawaii when they're making the <laughs> you show. You would think that they would have like a PA whose job is just Seriously. to get cast home. Apparently, some of the cast were nightmares. I mean, like uh, Michelle Rodriguez apparently was notoriously like hard to work with there was an accusation i don't know if it like somebody got paid off to keep it quiet but like with um henry ian cusick 
being handsy. I think I was on a different show, but yeah, I remember hearing something about that. Um, and you just know that Matthew Fox is probably terrifying. Seriously, yeah. Like he, you probably like knock on the door and like open the door when he doesn't answer, and he's just like, "I'm learning my lines." I think yeah. a lot of them lived on in Hawaii for yeah, like most yeah. of it, yeah. I love that whenever there was like the supercuts of like how insane Jack was, it always ended with the one from I think season two, episode one, where he's just like, huh, I'm intense. <laughs> oh my God. It's all just coming back to me in a weird deluge. Anyway, so Sawyer drags Jim back onto the beach. Everyone's there like screaming and yelling, like they want to like mob justice this guy. Um, Jack's like trying to break it up between Michael and Jin. And then Syed's like, no, no, this is between them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like everyone just like stands around and they're like, oh, we're just going to watch these guys fight now. Which I wanted Jack to be like, look, here's here's the thing. I will continue to doctor you motherfuckers. Please do not go out of your way to incur injuries. <laughs> oh, like, my God. You seem like hurriedly to start like drawing like a circle in the sand around them. You know? Yeah. I just remember Jack bets. takes out his own. Jack takes out his own appendix on the show. Mm-hmm. So, so Jin's like saying something, and Michael keeps like knocking him down, and then finally, Sun reveals that she speaks English. Yeah, and everyone's just like, "What the fuck?" And that, there's a the great bit there where everyone's shouting, and the kind of the way it's cut, we kind of get it from Jin's perspective, where it all it sounds like another language that we can't understand because it's from his perspective, mm-hmm. you know. And it kind of like it's like this is what it's like for Jin all the time, you know. And he's yeah. like totally confused, and then like boom, his own wife starts speaking English. And you just feel so betrayed by the whole thing, which yeah. that's why uh, son hadn't told him that whole time. Cause she didn't want, you know, that moment to happen essentially, but it's kind of no way yeah. around it. Yeah. They're even more like alien to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so I, by the way, follow up, apparently I'm wrong. The, the character's name is Jay Lee, the, like the bald guy. Apparently mm-hmm. they did have an affair according to lost PD here. I know they were in bed. I remember yeah. that. So maybe she turned him. He was the one who taught her English. Um, and he, I guess they're, they're saying he committed suicide. I, I almost got the impression that it was like somebody killed him, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was Jin, but Jin, I mean, I Jin guess... couldn't kill him. And so he told him to leave the country and never return. And then like the guy apparently just like jumped out the window and fell on Jin's car. You have to wonder, was that intentional aiming? Was he just like, yeah, gonna, really? it's going to fuck oh, your right car up, your man. Car. Yeah. Huh? Huh? Um, yeah, so they can't quite get into the thing about, like, did Jin do it or not? And then Locke is just like, hey, everyone, what about the others? Yeah, clearly it's probably the others. Um, which is great because Locke also also knows who really did it. But, like, he's, he's, like, wanting to get back to his focus, which I like because I don't think that Locke – I don't know. It's like I don't think he, like – legitimately like wants to go to war with the others i think he's like more curious about them but he knows he needs the rest of the the 815ers or whatever yeah, you want to yeah. call them to like do that to find out more yeah he he doesn't want them to get distracted by the raft and all that i mean i think he's he's fine with the raft being burnt although we do find at the end of the episode that it was like he confronts walt back at the uh, the caves and he's like so walt why did you burn the raft and walt's just like that- i like it here that might be my my second favorite scene uh-huh. on this episode. Just the, you know, like just the way he's so casual. Like oh, I have I have the actual dialogue in my note when we get to it. Um, well, we'll I know it. like like Locke later in seasons kind of like ends up being the fool essentially. 
And so mm-hmm. it's nice to see him have moments where it's like he's actually the smart one and he's he's on to what's going on instead of just getting played, you know. Yeah, he's got those little moments. Like there's the bit where he's um he's like building something for Claire and it's like she has no idea what it is, and then finally he like turns it over and like it's a crib. Uh-huh. And like I legitimately was like, oh, or just the uh, him getting Charlie off heroin initially. Yeah, yeah. He Look he up. starts off much better than he ends. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Like I, um, I, I think that's a case where like the actor got plenty to do. The character really got the shaft later on. Yeah, but I think that's it, it's somehow fitting though. Like, well, that, that's the kind of show it is. Contrast like, to the Man in Black. Some of these characters just. They just, you know, they weren't the one. And so the, their story just kind of peters out and they die, you know, yeah, like Boone but or I mean, Shannon. It's just like, nope. That end of season five twist. It's like, good God, how are you still like knocking him out of the park with these twists? <laughs> season five. But the problem with, with like later seasons of the show is, is this started my theory. I don't think ABC knows what to do with their hot shows after so many years. Yeah. Like they don't know how to promote like season five of a show. They just hope it's built enough a momentum that it'll keep its audience. Um, except for maybe like The Bachelor. I mean, you could really tell in some of the flashbacks in season two and the first part of season three that like it was like we don't really need any more of Jack. You know, like we kind of have a handle on Jack. If like finding out how he got his tattoos isn't super interesting or like, oh, look, it's another flashback of like Locke kind of being an idiot because of his dad. You know, like at a certain point, it's it starts to detract from the character. Um, just, just to clarify though, those tattoos, that's what they say. It's not what they mean. mean. I do. Yeah, I, I do mean, love that part of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. But I he mean, walks yeah, among you, us. He's not one of us. After you have this scene where like Jack is sleeping in his car outside his wife's, his ex-wife's job. <laughs> it's like, okay. Which though they play it perfectly. Cause the way you go into the season three finale, you're like, good God, buckle up. Jack is, <laughs> that's Jack true, is yeah. on one. I um, married her. Oh yeah. So in the caves, like Jin's packing up his shit, moving out back to the beach. Uh, Cause this is the point where Jack has found water in the caves. And so some of them are there. Some of them are still on the beach cause they want to be rescued. So the son confronts him and she tells him in English that she was going to leave him, that he convinced her to stay and that he still loved her. And then in Korean, much like that Coldplay song, she asks if they can go back to the start. Um, this is the flashback when he sees his dad. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Back in the cave, you know, in answer to her question, Jen is like, nope, too late. Mm-hmm. So Shannon kisses Saeed because everyone gets a new life on this island. And this is the lock and wall play backgammon. And this is a great thing because I don't think we've had numbers yet. I think it's I the think next it's episode. The next one. Yeah. And so we find out that Hurley apparently owes Walt $82,000 <laughs> in backgammon. Is, um, this, is this the bit where the um, the Walkman runs out? At the end, yeah. At the end, yeah. At the end. So there's some great bits of dialogue here where like Walt's like, do you have a dad? And Locke's like, everyone's got a dad. And Walt's like, is he cool? And Locke's like, no, he's not. <laughs> so they they play a little and then Locke says, hey, you mind if I ask you something? And Walt's like, sure. And Locke's like, why did you burn the raft? And then I like that like Walt, I don't know. This is when the show had that kind of normally I don't care for this but it had that like Stephen King thing where like people were dividing into camps of good and evil. And it's like, but like better. I don't know. I feel like yeah, these guys are just yeah. like doing Stephen King better than Stephen King does. Yeah. Like Locke is a much more nuanced Randall flag if you want, but like, he's just like, I like it here too. 
So I like this moment where the next morning, like Mike was working on the new raft and Jim just like walks up with a fresh thing of lumber Mm -hmm. and they share this long look. (laughs) And he's like, you may be like a wannabe architect, but like I was a fisherman, like stand aside, you know, which he He doesn't say any of that. He just conveys that. Yeah. It's all eyes and cheekbones, but he just says boat. (laughs) Mike was like, yeah. (laughs) So we get, everyone's like doing their morning thing. We hear the Damien Rice on the soundtrack. It's a great song called Delicate. And Sun goes to the beach wearing that towel around her shoulders and she just lets it float away. It's some classic like J.J. Abrams cheesecake where it's like, no, really, there's a reason to see this actress in a bikini. Yeah. It's part of the plot. It's part of her character. This isn't as bad as like, say, like Alice (laughs) Eve. Eve. That's the most egregious he's ever done for sure. Uh, Then they have her make this like terrible, like, look at my body gesture in Star Trek in the Darkness too. Yeah. She's like, oh my um, so god, I can't believe you're looking at my body the way I've just stripped down to my underwear. Yeah, are, are we done with the shot? Okay, make sure to put that in the trailer. You clearly have not. Oh, then he's just like, oh, but don't worry. We also did like a beefcake con in the shower. Deleted scene. Whatever. <laughs> Deletes. Um, so the music cuts out because Hurley's Walkman dies and he borrows a Sawyer yeah, You actually you find out in the deleted scene that uh, Khan is circumcised. <laughs> Uh, oh my god the way he does his like actorly like emphasis on every syllable my name is Khan. Uh, you know anyway, other, uh, that's not I, a terrible movie but there are just bad moments in it i would argue that that's not a great movie and there are a couple of good moments in it that's fair um and a lot of bad moments yeah i i love this ending because it felt very real that eventually batteries would die but also you got kind of this sense of like oh hey we're heading into the end of the season i bet it's gonna get a little bit darker well and just this the idea of the batteries running out is like less and less of your uh you know connections civilization are going to be here yeah 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 it's gonna get a little bit more real which is kind of funny because it actually gets a little more sci-fi yeah (laughs) um so do we want to say anything about season two in general uh i mean season two introduces the tailies uh the people from the tail section um great episode the other 48 days yeah um well just the hatch like really going into the hatch and desmond and the dharma initiative oh yeah yeah to say nothing of the hatch and all that Um, um and this kind of fascinating way which they would obviously do a lot more in like season three and later but like where they would split up in kind of a tolkien way it would split up characters onto different journeys and storylines yeah shannon dies um ana lucia played by michelle rodriguez and um libby introduced by cynthia walters um they enter the cast and they're good for a while and then they both die because michael kills them um i really liked ana lucia I, i was saying i think that this is probably Michelle Rodriguez's best role. I mean, I never saw Girl Fight, so I can't comment on that. But like, I don't know. It kind of bums me out that she's kind of stuck in the golden handcuffs of the Fast and Furious franchise because I do mm-hmm. think like she has she doesn't have like a wide range, but like she's good at what she does. She's like a Keanu type actor, you know, where it's like put her in the right type of role and she can kill it. Which and I feel like Ana Lucia is like the best version of that role. Well, I think it's interesting because she her like bread and butter is like tough girl uh-huh. roles which she's she 
nails. Like I get, I buy that. Well, she's, she she really like gets in underneath that that you know surface level on as on Lucia. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that. Not only could like Michelle Rodriguez beat me up, she could probably handicap me. But like, like the the way she plays, just like pain and misery. I just love the the bit where she's just like, I was pregnant, and then she shoots a guy. Like it's such a yeah. Like you really feel like all of her like rage and sorrow in that moment. Well, and then and then the 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 heartbreaking duet of Two for the Road with uh-huh. her and Christian. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, the fact that is it Christian who hits Sawyer with the car door at the bar? Maybe there's there's like so <laughs> many weird things with like like Christian and like we get the connection with like Desmond and Jack again in this episode. And there's like yeah. all these really weird like, kind of like I mean, the the whole show kind of suggests this sort of, I don't know, fate working its hand, you know, bringing these characters mm-hmm. together over and over again. You know, influencing each other in ways they had no idea. Desmond shows up and he's immediately just like, I'm weird. I'm Scottish. You can't take your eyes off me. You got to lift it up. See another life, brother. And then like it wasn't quite the same as other holy shit moments. But just when he pops up behind Locke at the end of Man of Science, Man of Faith. I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, how? how, What? (laughs) How does this guy here? Yeah. Um, what does one snowman say to the other? I smell carrots. All right. Yeah. So a uh, favorite moment from Live Together Die Alone. This is a tough one. So I broke this down. I By the way, are we, are we talking about both episodes here? I broke it down, I think, into part one and part two. Okay. I did not. Okay. Um, this is also, let's just say, like season two is where you could no longer deny the Saeed supremacy. Yeah, seriously. Um, and I think... Other than season three, let me just say this about the end of season two. This is like the show at one of its apex moments of just like the big epic finale. Like really feeling like a two, what is a two hour finale of a huge TV show season feel like? Okay, I just thought of my top moment from the first part of the episode. Okay. Um, My top moment, I have two, but my top moment is got to be 100% uh, the four toed statue. Oh, for, is that that's part two though? Is it not? I think it's part one. I think is it okay? One. I think so. But yeah, that that, that was part. a that was a for real holy shit. Like we're all going to be talking about that, that on the internet immediately. Moment, yeah. Saeed's quote of "I don't know what is more disquieting: the fact that the rest of the statue is missing, or the fact that it has four toes." It's like I I don't know how to put into words why that is so intriguing to me, except to say yeah. that like that is like one hundred percent my shit. You know, yeah. like. That's like exactly what I'm looking for in a you know mysterious TV show. Like maybe it's sci-fi, maybe it's magic. We don't, we're not really sure. You know? Well, then it's like buckle up because you're gonna get a shit ton of that statue. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna see a boat fly into that statue, sort of. Um, my other moment would be uh, Desmond drunkenly shooting from the cabin of the sailboat. <laughs> see, mine, mine is similar to that. For this, so my moment for the first part of the episode is when they see the boat out there, and it's like it's. Uh, Sawyer, Jack, and uh, Saeed. And they've all got to like, they've all got to like take their shoes off. Some of them take their shirts off. I think Jack leaves yeah. this like weird vest on for some reason. And they like swim out to the boat. They get on the boat and like Jack kind of like pulls out a gun from behind it, you know, like tucked yeah. into the back of his pants, like a complete yeah. badass. And it's just like, this is like the pinnacle of masculinity right here, pretty much, you know, like we this all is- wish that this was us like 
having adventures and swimming to boats and like having guns that we're going to, you know, go on a, a fight with. I don't know. It's just so fucking cool. Weird detail about me. I've seen every episode of the original Hawaii Five-0. Uh-huh. And that is like a super Hawaii Five-0 type <laughs> moment. Just dudes swimming, pulling out guns, and they're like on fucking hunk patrol. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the end of the previous episode, they're having the funeral for Libby and Anna Lucia and the sailboat approaches. I love, though, that you also have just the uh, classic Saeed of, uh, I think that Michael's been turned. <laughs> I think that Michael has been compromised. Oh, other huge Saeed moment from season two, of course, is like, but still, I did not believe. I just watched so that I episode. Up that grave. That's why I asked to delay the episode, the uh, podcast by half hours because I wanted to go watch Lockdown. Yeah. yeah At yeah. the end of the episode. And he's just like, but still, I did not believe this to be true. So I dug up that grave. And then you see Henry Gill go like, oh. Which is funny to me because he's so fixated on Jack and Locke for the rest of the show. And it's like, Saeed should really be your like one of your like antagonists, you know? Like like that that Linus should be like be focusing on. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, Linus Benjamin Linus should be way more worried about Saeed than he has Jack and Locke. Uh, especially like later when like Saeed becomes infected by super evil or whatever. But like <laughs> it's it sucks that Saeed has to deal with like Mikhail alone or you know what have you. Ah, oh, good old Mikhail. Yeah. Why so, do we continue um, to play this game when we all know it has moved on to the next level? That character might be ridiculous. Just the number of times that he like dies <laughs> and comes back. His last one is the best though. But just by like, the way, if we, uh-huh, I've got a grenade. <laughs> if we do a season three of Lost, I'm going to have to like plant my flag now. I demand we do greatest hits. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's it's like the one really good Charlie episode. I cannot stand Charlie's character, and that's like one of my favorite episodes of the show. Like. Fire and Water, I remember the, kind of Fire and Water is the worst episode of the show. Well, more so than like Paravion? I would say so, yes. I think Fire and Water is the worst episode of the show. Okay. Man, I really hope anyone listening to this is like deep into loss, because otherwise this is <laughs> insufferable. Um also, so so Desmond's like shooting at them from the cab and like drunkily, like singing. Jack kicks in this wooden hatch with his bare fucking foot. Fuck yeah, he does. I wanted Jack to be like later, like I broke three toes, <laughs> but yeah, like just wildly drunk, laughing, singing, shooting and sailing. I, I aspire to that. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what self quarantine should look like. And they're just like, Oh, him. Yeah. Oh, I was so happy. I was so fucking happy when Desmond came back. Cause well, cause Desmond first appeared in, uh, you know, S two E one. And it was like, mm-hmm. who is this guy? He's really cool. And then like by S23, he's just like, peace out, motherfuckers. And he takes yeah. off. And you're like, oh. Yeah. So glad they brought him back. But uh, And th- I believe that Man of Science, Man of Faith, that is where we get a Jack flashback where he meets Desmond. Is that, am I correct? Yeah, they're doing, yeah. They're doing the tour to stop. Yeah. Which you see later. In this. And then yeah. we don't see Desmond at all for like, you know, 20 episodes. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to me that season one of the show is 25 episodes. Yeah, I mean, that is a lot of cranking that, them out, man. Yeah, it's insane. That is a lot of episodes. That had to be super expensive. Um, so I think I've always assumed, I've always placed this mentally that this funeral was in the morning. So by nighttime, Desmond is on the beach and he's still drinking. Mm-hmm. How many bottles of like, you know, Dharma initiative Chardonnay does he have? You think it's Chardonnay or you think he's drinking like whiskey? So one of the bottles definitely says Merlot on it. So I think they're okay. cuz like he's just like constantly like swigging that and I'm like can you really just swig like vodka or whatever's supposed to be in that? Like I don't know. It's hard to tell. 
I feel like the Scottish can just handle their hangovers That's a lot true. better than us. That's true. If it just said like Darmanish with scotch on it. Yeah. Like half his DNA is booze. So mm-hmm. come on. Um, so he was sailing for two and a half weeks. We find out that's how long season two was. Uh, that, that's that also was, like one of my like favorite kind of like burned into my brain tropes is like the trying to get away from a place and like in, on the ocean. And then you like you come upon a new place and it's the same place, you know, yeah. like I think we had well, that like, that whole uh, uh, murder mystery idea on a boat. That a similar thing happened, right? Where like somebody leaves yeah. the boat and they swim and they come back and it's the same boat. It's it starts with uh, nobody can remember who they are, but there's a dead body. Amnesia on the boat, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it might have been set around World War Two. That era, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So for ten thousand dollars, somebody could buy that script from us. Sure. Um, now that we've given away so, the idea for free, <laughs> we told you the beginning and the ending. <laughs> I suspect foul play. Um, so like he's been sailing, he kept coming back here and he's like we're in a bloody snow globe brother which is great because that's like one of the theories about the show at this point is that like nothing exists outside the island type you know it's like they're in some other world or something right now which is funny because characters will literally say that in this episode beyond just this moment well it wasn't until i think s3e1 that we had any confirmation that like the outside world still exists because we got to see the red Sox win the world series right Oh, if we do season, honestly, we could do just a season three episode, but I need that first episode. I need Juliet. I love Juliet. So not important. It's like episode nine or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. I mean, cue the fight over picking just four episodes. Jesus. I mean, because you'd have to do. I I demand greatest hits and uh, the second part of uh, through looking through the looking glass. So which means we have to do all of it because come on, we have to do all through looking glass. Yeah, and let's, I mean, let's have this conversation in a minute. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> that's going to be a half an hour of podcast time. Um, so first flashback: Desmond was in military jail. <laughs> do, we, do we ever find out? It's been so long, I can't remember like why he was in jail. We're told it's because he couldn't follow couldn't orders, follow orders. Think, yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, sorry, number four is going to be um, the constant. That's episode f- or season four, right? Or, no, but I mean, of, of no, I think that's no, con- the constant is definitely season four because uh, the the new guys are in it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, but there's a great Desmond one where we reveal why he got the fla- how he has the flashbacks about Charlie or the flashes of Charlie flashes before your eyes flash before your eyes. Yeah, that's the fourth choice. Right. Come on. God, there's so many good ones. I mean, I feel like we um, could definitely skip a lot of the first part of season three, but still, yeah. Even though I do, I do love that little Hydra Island thing. I, I, I don't know. Come at me. I, I fucking love that weird mm-hmm. detour. Um, it just got a little weird when it's just like Jack is watching Kate fuck Sawyer in a cage on video. I mean, it got a little great. Sure. <laughs> it just didn't seem like sexy i don't know it's just like too much like cold too much like cold dampness you know well fucking in a cage with polar bears yeah like you have to do this complicated thing dirt to get like the biscuit the fish biscuit Uh yeah um i love the cake is just like shimmy her way out of those bars anytime she wants (laughs) um anyway so desmond's like it's that great moment when you get out of jail where they give you all your shit back and they tell you 
bit by bit, here's the artifacts of your life. Well, we don't know at first that this is a jail situation. Like, we're just like, we don't really know what we're seeing. They're just like giving Desmond some stuff. And then he's just like, Desmond David Hume, you're here by dishonorably discharged. You know, and it's like the whole thing. It's like, oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so he's got the picture of him and Penny, which I love is a great misdirect that they're not even at the harbor. Yeah. Take that picture. And the copy of Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens, because he's read every wonderful word by that man. And this will be the last thing he reads before he dies. Great setup with that, where like she asks him about it later. And it seems kind of weird why she'd ask him if, he'd, she's, if he's read the book. And then when he finally mm-hmm. opens it and he finds a letter, it's like, oh, that's why. Oh, I love this. I love it. Um, also... I've never read this book. I doubt anyone listening to this has, but like what a great sinister title in the context Our of the mutual show. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like much like Desmond, I can never read this book until I'm about to die. Like the only one I went out and really read was the third policeman. Mm, okay. It was so like heavily referenced in the first one. By anyway, the way, um, um, book references, speaking of those in lockdown, I'm pretty sure Henry Gale, AKA Benjamin Linus is reading the brothers Kemeraz off in that, which is only, perfect. Only, only we record the secret. She'll be unhappy. Uh-huh. Um, so he gets out of jail and Charles Woodmore is waiting for him. Is this the first Charles Woodmore? It has to be, right? I believe it is. Yeah. I Whitmore, don't think we've even heard of a Woodmore before this. I could be wrong, but I think this is the first yeah, time we hear from him. I don't think we even know of Penny before this episode. I don't uh, know. I think we've seen that picture of okay. him and Penny. I feel like we saw that in the first three episodes of the season. Woodmore. It's just a constant lesson in power trips and like how like like he makes Mr. Pike look like a fucking amateur because he has the two boxes and he's just like one of these boxes contains your past, the other your future. And the one box is every letter Desmond ever wrote to Penny. And it's like you don't even need to hear the line of dialogue when he opens it up and you see all those envelopes. You know exactly what the fuck that is. <laughs> it's devastating. Yeah. Um. And he's explaining to her, like, like to him, like, uh, oh, it's it's great that, like, she never got your letter. She thinks you completely abandoned her, so she was able to move on. <laughs> Here's some cash, <laughs> you poor. Um, Whitmore is fascinating. Like, he's such a fascinating, weird, well, like, it's, secondary character. I feel like this is the right kind of, uh, I don't know, quote-unquote mystery box where they suggest a, a deep history here with mm. just, like, these little details you know, of like, okay, there's clearly something going on between Desmond and this guy's daughter. There's some letters. He's trying to pay him off. So clearly this guy's rich and like these two have some sort of weird history, but like we, that's all we need to appreciate this character, you know? Yeah. It's not like it's going to turn on some future reveal about these two. Right. Right. Also, how long would you say we were into this episode? If you had to guess. What, when, uh, when, what's the station is up? No, the, the podcast. Oh, uh, we're like uh, two and a half hours. I mean, ding, ding, ding. Two and a half hours before one of us said mystery box. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's, I mean, um, it's, it's a real kind of eye opener and a bummer watching this. I know JJ wasn't involved in a ton of this show past like the first season, but mm-hmm. I think this is what he's good at. Like just the mm-hmm. way they the way they built this show by like bringing in a bunch of people and being like we weren't even casting for this character but we like you so we're gonna make a character for you and like we'll figure it out like when it's all brand new he's actually really good when he's working with the right people and it's like mm-hmm. do more of that stop like you know making weird like franchise nostalgia bait when like you refuse to bring your own ideas to it anyway yeah lost 
the show he created that he had very little to do with, like proved the value of the mystery box better than I think he has done on his own. Yeah. Well, I think, I um, think I said at the time that he was, a uh, he's a better producer than he is a writer and he's a better writer than he is or a better producer than he is a director. He's a better director than he is a writer. You know, like ultimately he's much better in the producer role here. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we all hate JJ Abrams now with understandable good reason. Um, but like, if you go back and you watch that Ted talk, like it's like, there's a time when it's like, holy shit, this guy might have the the juice. Like he might be a very like, uh, I don't know, exciting new storyteller in our lives. Yeah. Um, and fuck like, <laughs> Talk about flying too close to the sun. Anyway, on Wings Made of Ben Solo. So Sayid's all about these like covert ops on the island. Like he's figured out Michael's been turned by the others. He's like leading them into the trap. Saeed is to, uh, in the parlance of our Benjamin Light Times, he's just like, Jack, this is extremely my shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like wants to take the boat and like sail to the location where Michael's leading them to first. But I feel like Jack's just like, just that's like, how he problem Saeed. solves, you know, he's like, okay. Yeah. One of us has been turned by the others. I will gain the upper hand again by like sailing around the aisle and like getting there first to like ambush them. Well, it's wild to me because like this is a kind of brilliant though crazy strategy. And like Jack is like, here's what I'll do. I will go head first into this trap. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm insane. <laughs> and I won't tell any of these people. And my only like, uh, uh, I don't know, ace up my sleeve is I'll give Michael an empty gun. <laughs> <laughs> i love that bit where the, the fucking hurley bird which i'd completely forgotten about like yeah. they all they're all like michael's like firing at this bird and like you know click 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 because there's no bullets in there and jack's just like <laughs> sorry about that Whoops. michael must have given you an unloaded clip here let me re- you know resolve that for you hey man i'm just a doctor all right all i know is drinking and golf yeah <laughs> um the hurley yeah, bird so, that never went yeah. anywhere right i don't think so yeah, I don't think so. Which is wild because you you get the whispers, you get like some of the constant things. <laughs> there's the fucking really bird. Um, but, like there's a constant back and forth over the course of season two of like of like looking to belong to something, that's something to have faith in, feeling like they're people feeling like they're powerless or they've been lied to. So like Locke had faith in the button, you know why? I mean, these characters why, were all lost. They're all looking for you know. Way why do you found. find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it so easy? It's never been easy. Um, which is a great exchange. And then like started to think he's a puppet. And then you got Mr. Echo who started like believing the button. I like Mr. Echo a lot. The whole church thing was dumb to me. Which thing? Was that the when he's gonna build a church on the island? Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that is yeah. dumb. Because it's like other than Charlie, who's going to your fucking <laughs> yeah, church, it's just dude? You and fucking Charlie, and like maybe you like like rope Claire in there because she's feeling pity for Charlie that week. Which uh, he's he's pretending to be a Catholic priest, so he's just going to shame her for having a baby out of wedlock. Yeah, Come seriously. <laughs> um, so Locke tries to stop him, and Mister Echo like throws him out. And then uh, it's funny because you have Said and Michael debating over whether or not the others are hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> they are hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, they eat uh, fish. They live in huts. It is interesting, like the bringing in of Mr. Echo and like what that does to the Jack Lock, uh, you know, like power balance. Cause like I feel like you almost, if I'm remembering correctly, you get very few Jack Mr. Echo scenes at all. No. Like no. it's really more of like a Mr. Echo Lock dynamic. 
but yeah. and then like there's also Jack and Locke, obviously. But yeah, you don't you don't really get the third, you know, side of the triangle there. Well, it's kind of like Jack and Locke have their big moments in the first three episodes, and then I think they have some big moments during the hunting party. And then yeah, like it kind of transitions to like Locke and Echo. Well, and Echo really whole takes whole... over for a while. Like he's like a pretty big character. And yeah. then the actors like I fucking hate it in Hawaii. And they're like, well, fuck. Well, and in in you know the stories that he was difficult to work with, et cetera. Um, but like uh which I don't who knows what that means. Oh, so and so is difficult to work with. Yeah. But uh um there's the Gilgamesh thing and the uh the what was it, don't confuse a coincidence with faith or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, whatever the line is. Um yeah. I mean the button. The button, the, the numbers, button. the Valenzetti equation. The like, hatch. Love it. Yeah. The fact that there's food and a shower. I love that Kate's like they make this decision, like, we're not gonna really let everyone into the hatch. And then like Kate's like, but I'm taking a shower. Kate in lockdown, Kate's like trying to scam on Jack to get another shower. And he's just yeah. like, Oh, the plumbing's broke because he doesn't want to tell her that they're holding some uh, Henry Gale there. Yeah. But like Kate's like two seconds away from being like, I'll let you join me in the shower if you let me take that shower. Is season two also where Kate runs into the horse? I feel like there was a horse. Yeah. yeah. That's when Kate did. Yeah. Yeah. That that was when it started getting a little shaggy. You know, you're like, maybe yeah. we don't need too many of these flashbacks. Well, it's like there's a while there, you know, because like they they take everyone over like forward in degrees. And it's like for a while there, you're like, wow, Jack, maybe you dodged a bullet by not getting of Kate. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, Kate, maybe you dodged a bullet by not getting of Jack. I mean, you're a wanted criminal. Um, so flashback, Desmond's gone to America. He runs into Libby, of all people, at a coffee Libby shop. Libby with like what crazy if- bangs, yeah. Yeah, like like almost like she's wearing an insane wig. Um yeah. Like, what a weird fucking character who just mysteriously pops up on the back of people's flashbacks. Like, she's in Hurley's, like, asylum. Yeah, that's also one of the worst episodes of the show he had, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with, that, with that bald guy who was yeah. in the thing. Yeah. Um, From It's Like You Know. That's right, yeah. And also, I think probably, like, probably, like, a Californication. He's probably one of the guys in that show. <laughs> um, again, I look at that guy and I see nothing that people should desire. Anyway, um... Yeah, so she's – I think you can figure out the timeline of her life though. Her husband dies. She's probably rich. She's got a boat. She gives it to Desmond. Later, she ends up in an asylum, right? I guess so. Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah, she's going to give this boat to I Desmond. I also feel like she kind of like – her. she got screwed because like Michelle Rodriguez got a DUI and then she did too. And it was like you're both out of here. You know? Yeah. Well, it was like, yeah, for some reason like killing Anna Lucia wasn't enough. We need to up the stakes one yeah. more. Two for the road. I mean, she, I mean, she essentially got super fridged. Yeah, seriously. Because it's all played for like Hurley's, you know, sorrow. Um, but even that, it was like, that was still not the main thing. It was like, oh, yeah. And then Libby died too. You know? Yeah. But I mean, she was, you know, she was cute. She was blonde. She was into Hurley. She didn't wear a bra. I mean, I think she was a psychiatrist at one point. Did someone say? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And her name is Elizabeth. Um, so like she's basically been wowed by Desmond's story at a Starbucks that he's going to enter this world sailing competition to win this money from Charles Widmore rather than taking yeah, a handout. The, from this him. broke Scotsman who doesn't have any American cash on him. That's yeah. how it starts. And like she's like, you have my boat. Yeah. Um, it's never really talked about, but I you have to assume that the sailing competition has something to do with the island, right? Like. 
I feel oh, like, like everything Charles Widmore part has got to be like a nefarious. It's like he thinks it might be in a certain location, so he's gonna like have the route go near there, maybe or something, or something, yeah. right? Like, well, it's like an eight too- month long competition. Yeah, I th- I don't think it takes you eight months to like sail across the Pacific. So I don't know where he's sailing, but he must have been going all over the place. I don't know. I mean, but obviously that's that's the comp- same competition that Shailene Woodley and the other guy were in in that movie where he probably dies. I'm pretty uh, sure um, that dude is like dead for the most of the movie, and it's like he's just like a ghost or something to talk to her. What mm-hmm. happened to Shailene? Where have you been? That's a good question. She was peacing out when they said, uh, let's make the Divergent movies TV movies. Yeah. Where would that even air? Like, what I don't know. network? Like WB? <laughs> yes, the WB. They're going to bring it oh, back. Oh, sorry. That's the CW now. Wow. I'm showing my age there. One night only. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, meanwhile, in the present, Jin and Son are going to come with Saeed on this boat, the Elizabeth. Yeah, because uh, he needs Jin to sail, and Son just like, yep, I'm coming too. And I love the bit where, like, you, you can tell Saeed wants to eject, and Jin just gives him this look. He's like, "Hey, man, I don't, I don't control her. You've, you've obviously like learned by now that like she doesn't do what I say." So, well, also by this point, Jin is like chill. Jin is so fucking chill in this episode, and like, yeah. in really most of season two, he's just yeah. like, "I went through the ringer. Me and Son had our issues, and now I'm going to be a dad because Son is pregnant, and like I'm just fucking chill as hell." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like. They had their one episode of drama when they were concerned about her pregnancy. I can't remember that season. Maybe two he three. found like like a like a huge stash of weed on the island or something. You know, it had to be season three because I think Juliet was her doctor. But yeah, he's just like, look, man, I don't know if you knew this, but for like the first thirty five days, you know, we weren't talking, we weren't getting along, and then like one night we reconciled, and I nutted so hard. He's so like, I, I no like, longer worry about her asshole dad or. Any yeah. of that old shit? I'm just on the island now, and like this is pretty rad. This is kind of great. I'm wearing like polo shirts. I'm uh, in great oh, we got to talk about like the the island like wardrobe wear that they have on this show. Yes, is what an ensemble of clothing they have. Yeah, yeah. It's all Everyone just like great. very loose. Comes off easily when they need to go swimming or swimming in each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Jack is like obsessed with like the like sleeveless shirts. Jack's all about like the weird sleeveless shirts. Yeah. Also, he looks kind of funny because this is the one where I think there's the whole case of guns, maybe. And he's got like this key around his neck. (laughs) And I kept thinking like like a choker. Well, the first time I saw it, I was like, is that a whistle? What the fuck? (laughs) Jack's on his way to the club. Yeah, it's um, everyone looks good. Like Saeed's just like I wear all black. Say so it's like he's got like cargo pants on and like a tank top a lot of the time. Yeah. Kate's Kate's kind of tomboyish, but it works for her. Uh, Sawyer. It's a lot of like jeans. A lot of like the women. Gross. The women all have like a layering of like tank tops and like loose fitting blouses and whatnot, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Sawyer's wearing jeans that I think are probably pretty gross. They're probably like solid from so many like fluids and things. Well, speaking of jeans, are you are you wearing jeans right now? No. No, Do, have you been wearing jeans when you're stuck at home, bro? It's like day forty of quarantine. I haven't worn jeans and I don't understand this at all. I wear jeans like all the time. I don't understand like the I don't wear jeans thing. I don't. I don't know. Jeans are comfortable. I I put them on every day. I'm not saying jeans aren't comfortable. I'm just okay. saying uh, I'm just <laughs> typically freeballing it over here. I just um, I don't know. I wear jeans at home. There you go. Guilty as charged. 
Um, you know, so we can't really go to the store right now. So mm-hmm. your metal will be a little delayed. But it's coming. You can go to the uh, store. Just put a mask yeah, well, on. Yeah, well. Should I just like by drive by your place and like leave uh, one, of those, one of my masks out in front or something? Yeah, yeah. But let me know first so that sure. one yeah. of the asshole kids doesn't get it. All the fucking asshole teenagers in my neighborhood are all like huddling up, and, like doing teenager stuff. And I presume they're on their way to finger blasting or whatever teens do or, yeah. or TikToking. But like they are not observing social distancing. Mm, um, yeah, but anyway, so like Sawyer's outfit looks a little gross to me, but it's obviously designed for him to take his shirt off constantly. Yeah. But like Sun and Jin just like always look clean. They look like they've come straight from, I don't know, like the Banana Republic or something. Like whatever yeah. whatever place sells like island wear. Yeah. 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 She does the laundry for sure. Yeah. They look great. Um, just so chill. Yeah. So we get the Hurley Bird. Michael realizes his gun is empty. You would think Michael would start formulating a plan because he clearly realizes something's going on. I, I think he knows how fucking sketchy he seems. And he's he's always looking for that sign that they're onto him, and mm. but it's like even if he's sure they're onto him, what does he do? You know, as yeah. long as they're not calling him on it, it's like well, he has to keep going ahead with this. Well, you get a little bit of the uh, previously on Lost, but like it's kind of insane that his like temper tantrum for this exact lineup they to go on this trek worked. Yeah, yeah, but worked because like. Jack's just like, what if we get some other people? And he's like, no, it has to be these people. Yeah, they, like, they, yeah sure. they've told Michael that he has to bring Sawyer, Jack, Kate, and Hurley to this specific location on the island to get a son back. There's some great actors who play members of the others. April Grace is one that I would like to see more of. Yeah, I don't think we really see her much after this. You see her with Mikhail. She That's right. Okay. Tells yeah. him another language to shoot her. Yeah. But she has this like great serenity about her that's just so otherworldly. Um yeah, so at one point Locke is like crying by a tree, and I think Charlie of all people deigns to give him some shit. But Charlie is like he's enjoying that moment because earlier the episode Fire and Water happened where Locke like basically beats the shit out of Charlie and tells him to get the fuck out of here and like you know leave Claire alone. You fucking gross mm-hmm. junkie. And so mm-hmm. for Charlie to see Locke crying, it's like, yeah, fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild because the moth is a great episode. I think I forgot about it. Well, like, I, I think the, one of the reasons I dislike fire and water so much is like, I find myself not liking either Locke or Charlie in that situation. You yeah. know, Locke is like getting very like wannabe alpha. I am protecting Claire. And mm-hmm. and Charlie is just like being like a skeezy junkie, and it's just like fuck you both. Yeah, I mean, I know it's it's in line with the uh, the faith that people seek in some fashion on the show, but it's like the heavy Catholicism. Yeah, of Charlie's guilt is like a little grating for me. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like I, I really respect like a, a spiritual, you know whatever two two characters like their oneric vibe but like when it becomes so heavily like religious and especially roman yeah, catholic hard, hard to relate. Yeah. yeah yeah it kind of turns me off um yeah so uh he lets him know that desmond's back which locks like oh desmond's so, just drinking on the beach yeah 
<laughs> like a superstar. So we get a flashback of Desmond about to run that tour to Stodd in the uh, flashback, Jack's flashback from. I love how you just season. see Jack pull up in the background and like go running. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like uh, because he didn't have crazy long hair in that thing. So like Desmond's like putting his hair up in yeah. a ponytail doing what, the Sawyer. What I think is kind of brilliant about this is one of the first times I can remember a show having the uh i don't know like the wherewithal to to do the continuity where like mm. they'll bring back the uh the flight attendant or yeah. like they'll make sure that they like get jack in this shot here when he was you know like i don't know it's like you used to not get that in tv and movies like the whole idea of like a character showing up in multiple movies just mm. didn't happen it's it's like so commonplace now you know with like the mcu and whatnot but like that just used to not happen on tv shows where it's like yeah, you got that guy for like one episode, then he's like off doing other shit and you're going to have to recast if you want him back. Right. I mean, I'm pretty sure obviously there's there's a scene and a flashback in the bar in Australia where Christian and uh, Sawyer have a conversation. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I want to say in Two for the Road, like Christian just like throws open his door and like hits Sawyer and you just hear like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Like you don't actually really see uh-huh. Josh all the way that much. But this is one of the first shows that would really – go there like to that extent to like weave in all the characters together including yeah really side characters like christian shepherd you know mm-hmm. well and then having fun of it and almost like a simpsons-esque level of humor with like uh uh mickey and paulo <laughs> oh see we Which gotta is... do expose too for season three yeah it's a good episode <sighs> yeah razzle dazzle <laughs> and then like Locke watches that show right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so so Penny shows up and he's just like, "How did you find me?" And she's like, "Well," and he's like, "No, how did you find me?" Sonia Walter, like, by the way, damn, great casting. Oh yeah, did you ever see that show with Adam Scott where they had all, a lot of people had a lot of sex? I I read a lot about that show and like the prosthetics they had to use and whatnot, so she can give him a fake HJ. Yeah. Oh, is that a prosthetic HJ? Yeah. yeah. Wow, is it like a Dirk Diggler kind of thing? I, I assume so. Wow. Okay. I watched that first episode. Anyway, um, I think it's called Tell Me You Love Me. Tell Me You Love Me. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those shows at HBO. Like they always have like at least one of these shows going at any time where it's just Mm -hmm. like people fucking, people fucking, but like not in like a, a satisfying way. It's just all like, it's all like emotionally damaged sex. Like Nicole Kidman and, uh, and Eric the Vampire in the one show. Yeah, Yeah. 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 Well, just like, uh, HBO, like, I think maybe after Game of Thrones and, like, with the onset of Big Little Lies, that's when they put to bed, like, we really just want shows about mediocre white men having a lot of orgasms. We're not that big on plot. Like, if you're looking for plot, maybe don't come at it from that angle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Penny's just, like, with enough money and determination, you can find anyone. Um, and, you know, like Jen, he doesn't want to tell her what a piece of shit her dad is because um, he's got to get his honor back. I have to get my honor back. And she's like, really, though? Because yeah. I'm hot and I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. How much is your honor worth? Can I write you a check? Yeah. They have the weirdest relationship. She picks him up from a monastery. Yeah. He or he's like making wine or something. Yeah. yeah. He runs off to the military and ends up in jail. And then at one point, he calls her from the future. I won't call you for eight years. Oh, I've had so many exes that I want to make that phone call to. I, 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 one of my regrets in my life so far is I've never been in a situation where I can ask for someone's phone number and, and say that I won't call them for eight years. What, what a fucking long con that is. Well, this is the moment. Everyone, if you're listening, 
send them your phone number. And we'll I'll call, you, I'll in call you in eight years. <laughs> Just kidding. We're all going to be dead this time <laughs> next year. Um, so Locke and Desmond have a chat, and you know, and he's like, "So what did one snowman say to another?" <laughs> well, this is when we start getting the flashbacks to Kelvin, Kelvin Inman. Oh, 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 I forgot. So earlier when, when Desmond's talking to Jack and, and Desmond's just like, are you still pushing it? And Jack's like, ha, ha, ha. yeah, we're still pushing it. Pushing that button. So yeah, the statue and then, yeah. Um, Kelvin. Kelvin Joe Inman. Played by C- Clancy Brown. This guy is a special effect. That voice. The voice, the beard. I, I love Very how... When we were first introduced to Desmond, he says he tells a story about you know the button and like what we do, what are you doing, just saving the the world, and then like we actually see it happen, which is pretty cool. And it's just drenched in misery. Yeah, Kelvin's um, Kelvin's so beat down, and he's just like, "Are you him?" And of course, Desmond isn't. He's just like, "Ah, fuck." He Kelsey Brown, another one of those actors who like he's a big. I don't know. He's not, not a big deal, but like you notice him when he's in this, shit. This show has like every that guy almost. Yeah, yeah, but it's like I, I, I feel like he's like secretly really good if given better roles because like his whole thing later on is just like Desmond. Why did you leave that nice ladies' army? You know, like he's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Desmond and Locke though have triggered a lockdown. They've tricked Mister Echo out of the button room. Uh, which implies that the rest of this episode will take place over the next 101 minutes. But there is a lot of like timeline, I don't know, hand waviness in this episode yeah. because it's like, yeah, it's like certain things like whatever's going on in the hatch is like definitely only taking place over like an hour and a half. Whereas mm. like whatever's going out going on elsewhere seems like it's taking like a day or two. Yeah. I don't think you're walking anywhere in 101 minutes. Yeah. Not realistically. Um, Desmond sees the orientation video, which was heavily edited by Rudzinski. So Rudzinski, spoilers, has basically been in the hatch for like 20 years at that point. I guess so, yeah. Kills himself. Which is funny because we meet him later or earlier and he's a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, a, there's a moment where I genuinely laugh this time. When like Charlie's on the beach, like noodling on his guitar, and Mr. Ucker runs up and he's like, Charlie, do you know how they got into the hatch door? And he's like, I don't know, but if you hum it. <laughs> Charlie occasionally has like really great lines, like just like in the background. Like oh. I was like his whole like I thought it was full of C's line from I don't know, I think it's like S one E six or something like that. It's like a pretty good line from Charlie. Well, it's like the Charlie thing didn't really work out, and they finally perfected that formula with Miles. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, though I do love Charlie busking in uh Desmond's flashback singing Wonderwall. Is that in um that's not the constant, is it? No. I can't no, it wouldn't be the constant. It would be something in season three, I think. Yeah, yeah. Are you the one that's gonna save me? Yeah. Oh, it might be greatest hits, I'm not sure. I think well, it, it well, might be in greatest hits. Well, it's gotta be a Desmond episode. I think though, there's right? actually like two moments of that. Where like you see it from one angle and then see it from another. Okay. Um, so some of the others are following Jack's group and Kate spots them and she's immediately got Sawyer on board of like like shooting at them. Um, which <laughs> is funny because they fucking kill one of these others here. Which is funny because Sawyer hits the guy. And I remember later Sawyer actually being like a terrible shot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, how bad of a shot you need to be to miss somebody at that range, but 
So, yes. Because he also has a rifle, too. So he should, you know, probably be a better shot, I would imagine. Mm. So Jack makes the reveal that Michael's been working for the others. Jack goes from zero to like 150 immediately. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Gotta love Jack. Um, Peak Jack might be the incident, though, right? It absolutely Jack has a bomb is absolutely peak Jack. But like what I love about all the characters in the show is that like, yeah, they're all really fucked up in some way or other. Like none of these characters is a pure hero at all, including Jack, who's the nominal yeah. hero of the show. Like he Jack yeah. is insane, but in a really satisfying way. Well, and he just starts like beating the shit out of Benjamin Linus in season yeah. three finale. <laughs> um so they start to realize that not only did like Michael let Henry Gale slash Benjamin Linus go, but that means he also killed Anna Lucia and Libby. And there's kind of a heartbreaking thing there where like we're all on Hurley. He's just like, yeah. wait a minute. Wait, what? Well, but Jack's got a plan. Well, and like in Hurley in that whole moment where he's just like, did you kill, you know, Anna Lucia and Libby? And Michael's just like, I had to, I had no choice. And Hurley's just like, but if you did have a choice, you know, like it's like clearly yeah. You did this. I, I don't know. Like it's a. I, I guess Michael would do that, but it's like that's a that's a big L for Michael to come back from. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And for Kevin Johnson. And I, uh, I don't know. I like Hurley's general vibe of just like fuck this man. Like I just don't want to be a part of this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I have a theory that like Hurley is like a great character until the flash forwards, and then he becomes a really annoying character. Seeing him with the money. Is different, I think. I mean, maybe it's something about and the stuff of once, his family. Once they're off the island, like, and he's just like, I would just want to go check myself in a mental hospital again. I, I could never relate to that, I guess. Yeah. Although I still love when he like throws the hot pocket at yeah. Linus <laughs> <laughs> and misses. <laughs> um, oh my god, I'm just thinking about flash forward stuff. Saeed's got a dishwasher full of knives, and they're all pointing straight up. <laughs> So yeah, so end of part one is like Saeed, Sun, and Jin get to the uh, the fake others camp, and it's just, which, I love the uh, the bit where it's like the two like doors to a new hatch. He opens them and it's just like a rock wall behind it. Yeah, yeah, that I just I fucking love that. Um, yeah, so live together, die alone, part two. Well, the, there's a great through line through this with the whether or not the button does anything because Locke is like I found the, like the question mark hatch where it was just like, uh, you know, the the orientation video where it's like all you have to do is watch the people in the swan hatch and make notes on them. And so, like, the swan hatch is just an experiment. It doesn't do anything. And we kind of go back and forth over, like, what's the real experiment and what's not. And it's kind of solved mm-hmm. in this episode when you finally find the, uh, the field full of uh, empty uh, vacuum tube uh, canisters Log- or whatever. Logs, yeah. 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 And it's like, oh, these well, have all just been going to the middle of nowhere. It turns out actually that was the experiment. Well, what's funny is is you genuinely believe in this this question. You know what I mean? Like because uh-huh. of because of the how good the actors are and how it's written. Though realistically, like if it was like, oh, the button was never real in the first place, that is not satisfying. No, no, not like at it all. has to be apocalyptic. It has to be. But, but I, I like the way it kind of goes back and forth, even at a character level, where like Locke is like, I thought it really meant something when I was pounding on its hatch, but it was probably in the light came on, but it was probably, probably just, just using you, like using the bathroom. And then Desmond, you know, who's at the end of his, you know, faith and everything suddenly finds it again. And he's like, Holy shit. Like I was going to kill myself then when that, you know, 
when that happened. So that did mean something after all, you know? Yeah. So that's what we're about to talk about. Is that your top moment? Oh, top moment. Um, so I have two. I have these two. are tough. The one I picked, it's really more for the acting than for anything else. There's probably like better moments in the episode, but like just the moment when Locke had, you know, when everything's going to shit and he just says, I was wrong. Like the way he delivers that is so mm-hmm. like, just like it, it's a gut punch of emotion there, you know, because this is someone who's, he's so righteous in what he does. And he's always, he's always looking for the cause to like align himself with, you know, mm-hmm. and like he's, it's completely destroyed his faith in what he was doing. And he has to admit that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. I have two, so I'm cheating a little bit. My number two is, is when Calvin's like, see that brown stain right there? <laughs> That's Radzinski. Uh, my number one is it starts with the moment you're talking about because I think Locke, his his thing is kind of failure. He usually tends to pick the wrong horse, uh-huh. but he believes in it so strongly for a while that you almost you like you would think that belief could make it real, all the way up to because that moment is so touching. It stuck with me so much all the way to Desmond saying like I love you, Penny, as he's about to like turn the key. Um, See you in another life, brother. Yeah, I mean, I'm such a basic bitch for like the endings, like the crescendo that they build to. Yeah. Um, if I were yeah. to, if I were to pick another one, it'd be uh, Benjamin Linus at the end of this episode. Michael Emerson. <laughs> just, it's it's funny because I've like I haven't really seen him except for on uh, Person of Interest, like in the past mm-hmm. decade. And so, like returning to Benjamin Linus, it's like, oh shit, man, he was fucking good on this show. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because before this, he's really like his thing is he was the secret villain at the end of the first Saw movie. Yeah, yeah. And here uh, he's, yeah. he's man, the, the kind of little smirks that he has when he gets off that boat at the end on the pier. It's great. The little sly smirk in the bow he does to Jack. Yeah, yeah. And just the way, the way, I mean, we're jumping to the end here, but the way Michael's like, who the fuck are you guys? And he's just like, we're, we're the, the good, good guys. guys Michael. <laughs> and it's like for a moment in a sick way, you're kind of like, Oh shit. What if they are? Yeah. <laughs> um, the show, I just remind like so many things are like flashing back in my mind. Just the, uh, we're going to have to take the boy. The thing is we're going to have to take the boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Mr. Tom friendly. What a great character. And just wild to think that if you've seen other movies, you've seen his dick. <laughs> just flopping around and sideways. Yeah, flopping sideways, flopping up and down, just flopping. Yeah, real friendly. Um, I was amazed at how quickly he went soft. I would think he would still be a little chub as he was chasing uh, Thomas Hayden Church. I've never, was uh, Paul Giamatti? never had to experience that myself. I think it was Thomas Hayden Church. I'm not 100% okay. on that. Oh, no, I got a guy chasing me with a hard dick. Um, yeah, so Charlie's led Mr. Echo to the dynamite, the same dynamite that blew up Dr. Arts. <laughs> Dr. Arts, man, we didn't even get to him in the uh, finale of the first season. Well, because it was a funny character because he kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then like you see him in like other people's flashbacks later. That's that's what I love about the show is they would get that actor back for like just a totally tiny little part, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Daniel Roebuck. Famously, only other big role was like he played Jay Leno in that TV movie yeah. about the late night wars. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're going to blow up the control room, the button room, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, Charlie's like pounding on the door, like warning them. 
Desmond's pretty positive they'll survive. And Locke's like, are you sure? Then we get the flashback to the uh, like Desmond hot wiring the station to do the fake lockdown. So Kelvin can resume painting the invisible ink map. I love the way he just kind of like rubs his hand over the wall, you know, the, over the blast door. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh, Rudzinski was an artist at this. <laughs> but yeah, so there's this, you know, talking about where he, it's like, you never talk about Rudzinski, brother. And he's just like, see that brown stain on the ceiling? That's Rudzinski. He put a shotgun in his mouth while I was asleep. The bitch of it was I only had 108 minutes to bury the bastard. And the look on Desmond's face is just like, Jesus. And I love how like later on he notices because he like it's been two years that Desmond's been down there. He really wants to go outside, but like Kelvin won't ever let him. Then he notices that like there's a terror in Kelvin's, uh, you know, biohazard suit there. And so it's like, okay, something's up. Yeah, the fear is that it's so toxic out there that unless you're like inoculated and taking like wearing the hazmat suit like it's it's that's why it's well, this was this was a a long-term thing on the show is this mysterious sickness mm-hmm. that seems to be more mental than physical people get yeah. infected and then they become evil essentially is like what seems to happen which they kind of pick up again later with like in the season water. six yeah uh-huh. yeah um and there's also like the thing that affects like pregnant women. Man, whatever. speaking of uh, like people who had it rough, like the the entire French lady's family there. Yeah, man. Yeah, Alex is in this episode, by the way. At the end, I yeah, she is. Might be the is. Have we seen her before this? I think this might be the first time we see her. I think it's the first time. I'm not positive, yeah. but I think it is. And I I feel like they had no idea at the end of season two that this is Ben's daughter. You know what I mean? Like. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, she does. Uh, I don't. Maybe it's just like I don't know her looks no, or no, whatnot. No, she but she stands out a re- little bit. I think she's in the hunting party. She's either. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mentioned or we see her. I, th- I think we do yeah. see her. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So in the present, Charlie's wondering if the button's a joke, just some computer and wires. I love that Mister Echo like grabs him, yanks his belt off, like throws it down the hallway, and like it like gets sucked right into that giant magnet behind the wall, and he's just like. That seemed like just computer and wires to you. Should we have had a, a scene where like just like his pants drop and he's like got like the uh, the white boxers with hearts on them or something? Only if he could then turn and step on a rake. Yeah, yeah. Alex, uh, Alex is in the hunting party as her first episode. Okay, I think she's like the really human. Wasn't she like dating Jeff Goldblum for a while there? Tony Ramone. Yes, she. Was. Yeah, she was. Apparently, like at some point, the shoe is going to drop about Jeff Goldblum. Um, and then he'll get canceled too. I don't know. Does anyone get canceled in isolation? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I mean, really, like we should have done more season two stuff just because of the hatch and the quarantines and blah 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 it's blah. It's also good. Yeah, I know. Um. Yeah. So at one point, like Desmond wakes up in one of these flashbacks, like the alarm's going off. He like punches in the numbers and the button. Finds like Kelvin is like down another hatch, like drunk and singing, like holding a key over the system termination port, <laughs> which will come up. Um, but Tony Ramone, like, by the way, played Jody Arias in the uh, TV movie. Just gonna throw that out there. Well, well. Moving on. Yes. Um, so in the present, like, like Desmond's talking to Locke, and he's just like. Is the reason you're letting that clock run all the way down to the very last tick? Is it because you need to look down the barrel of the gun to find out what you really believe, John? Then <laughs> um, that's when like Locke tells him the story about like Boone dying, and the light came on from the hatch, took the sign. It was probably just Desmond taking a shit. 
So um, later on, we'll get the other side of that where Desmond is kind of at the end of his rope after Kelvin died and he's basically ready to kill himself. So he gets out our mutual friend. And then that's where he finds the letter from Penny being like, I knew you'd only find this when you're like at the end of your rope pretty much. Yeah. And I want to be there for you. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to that quote, like, which is like at the end. on the surface of it, you could say it's like, wow, like what a convenient thing that they've, you know, that he never looked at this before. But like, I feel like the episode sets it up so perfectly that you totally buy into it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It keeps that thing rubber band shut. Yeah. Well, and just the, the, the detail where the, the guard at the prison is just like, why didn't you take the book on the inside with you? Yeah. And he's just like, because I was determined for this not to be the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the guard is just like, well, so, that's fucking great. Yeah, good for you. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> There's a limo waiting for you outside. Um, so that thing where they find all the uh, logs and then like, spit out of the pneumatic tube, we then hear like the whispers. Uh, everyone starts getting hit by like electrified darts or something. Yeah. Everyone goes down, but Jack, who like starts like shooting wildly into the <laughs> jungle, just like just blowing, you know, just like letting it go, letting some lead fly there. I think this is where you. It's either here or later where you found the great screen cap where it's like him just like shooting as the <laughs> the fires coming out of the gun. Jack's just like, so I just started blasting. <laughs> so at one point he like picks up Kate, even though he's he like been fireman shot. carries her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in a very sexy Raylo way and then like he's like twitching from the electricity while he's carrying he manages her. to somehow like drop her like in a somewhat gentle way <laughs> yeah yeah so Locke is telling Desmond more about the pearl and there's the printout um Desmond like reads the you know the, the actual experiment was on the people on the pearl which is like <laughs> like I wish you had told me this a hundred minutes ago brother <laughs> um so flashback this is the thing where if like when he realizes Kelvin's been bullshitting him follows him Discovers that Kelvin has Desmond's boat. They've been repairing it. I love the location that they're at, like these like sedimentary rocks. It feels very Planet mm. of the Apes, you know. It's like a lovely cove, though, where the boat's stocked too. Yeah. Um, and like Kelvin's just like, I lied to you because I needed a sucker to press the button, even after I left. And it's like it's like Kelvin is thinks so little of Desmond that he's not really defending himself, which is yeah. why he ends up like smashing the back of his head on a rock and dying you know it's because he wasn't really trying yeah yeah because that's that's desmond's whole thing it's like frantic desperation Uh um so he runs back to the swan it's like a system failure mode he starts to see the hieroglyphics things are flying around because electromagnetic shit this is the point where i would have if i had had this if i'd seen this i had this experience i would have said the lock i'm pretty sure the button does something when you don't press it yeah like system failure system it, failure i love the the, the hieroglyphs such a cool detail i can't remember the first episode we saw that it was like somewhere in the middle of this this season where like they mm-hmm. were like late and you know pushing the button the yeah, fact that they even exist lockdown. like that they would have weird hieroglyphs in their timer that only show up at certain instances is brilliant yeah um so like present day, like Desmond's going through the printout. He finds all the system failure in the log and he's like, oh shit, brother, I think I crashed your plane. Because it's like right at the moment that the plane crashed. Um, so then we're at the docks. There's Mr. Friendly. There's April Grace. There's Alex. We've you got, got the uh, Kate saying like, <laughs> and it's like what? And, and uh, B is just like, 
She says she knows your beard is fake, Tom. And he's just like, thanks, B, for telling her my name. Yeah. So when, when when Linus shows up and he's just like looks at him like the fuck are you not wearing your beard well, the, for? The way he kind of projects his authority there, he's like, "Where's your fucking beard?" Basically. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, sorry." She well, knew where it was. What's wild about this too is we realize that Ben is like presumably the man in charge, or at least yeah. in this room. And like earlier, when he's describing the leader of the others, and he's just like, he's a great man, but he is not a forgiving man. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck, who is that guy? Um, which is which is so true, because one of Ben's skills is he can believably sell himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that subtle smiles, he sees Jack and nods. So uh, the explosion in the hatch, Charlie wakes up. I feel like he and Echo should be dead. I mean, they kind of follow that up in season three, but yeah, I love the the purple sky and like the weird noise. Like that's a great effect there. Everyone's just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Well, I, I like uh, that the, the it's it's like something electromagnetic. We don't understand exactly what. I like that, like as a technology that feels right. Like all the tech feels both like advanced and and old fashioned at the same time. You know, like they're they're weird like stun darts they have that like electrocute people. Mm-hmm. you know like it, it feels like old and new i guess at the same time honestly the most unbelievable technology that the others possess to me is that they can cure Juliet's sister of cancer off the island yeah yeah um yeah, I mean, maybe so the they just took her to the island or, or something yeah <laughs> had her drink the poisoned orange juice put her in the sub had her spend some time on the island sent her right back yeah um the letter from Penny says, because all we really needed to survive is one person who truly loves us, and you have her. I will wait for you always. And Desmond's like, God damn it. <laughs> Why didn't I fucking read this years ago? Yeah. So they let the thing run down. It's it's like magnets going crazy, like like the bicycle, the third policeman reference, like it's like yeah. flying. Well, so Charlie once gets killed by so a Desmond, dryer. If Desmond gets out of uh, jail there. Mm-hmm. And supposedly she's like marrying some dude or she's engaged. If he just gives her a call, she she just like brooms that guy, right? Oh, well, I mean, you don't fly to America where your ex-boyfriend's like about to like run in a stadium at night. Yeah. If you aren't willing to do that, I presume. I don't know. Yeah. Um so this is when like Locke or Desmond's like, I was it was me on the other side of the light, and he's like, I'm gonna blow the damn John. I'm sorry for whatever happened that made you stop believing, but it's all real. Now I've got to go and make it go away. I'll see you in another life, brother. <sighs> he turns and, key. Sky turns yeah. purple. Starts vibrating. There's this great sound. Well, I, I think we forgot to mention Mr. Echo detonating that TNT. He's like six feet away, like just behind the wall. Like, come on, Echo. What's wild to me is that Echo is like just around a corner. Yeah. Charlie runs down a hallway like a fireball chases him yeah echo you gotta you gotta like spool out that uh fuse a little longer than what you did i think echo is so used to being impervious from his like warlord days yeah Uh, he's like six feet i'll just duck behind this corner i'll be fine well because the dude's like seven feet tall and he probably weighs like 300 pounds of pure muscle yeah um so yeah, the, at the beach, the quarantine hatch comes like flying out of the sky and like crashes into the ground. Um, on the docks, Linus doesn't like this deal, but they have to honor it. So he gives Michael the boat. Walt, it's like, and his, Walt. like his weird, you know, honor among thieves there. Yeah. 
Yeah, stay on this compass heading, you'll get rescued. And he basically tricks him into not saying a word about the island. Yeah, because who would believe him? And the the idea that you can, in fact, leave the island, but it's like only on certain headings, you know? Yeah, yeah. Presumably it's trickier to come. Although we don't know yet. Like when you're watching this, you don't know for sure whether or not this will work, you know? Right, right. It's just crazy because we don't see Michael for... Do we see him in season three? I don't think we see him in season four, right? I think That's we don't see him again until season four. Yeah. Uh, and this is when I the, feel like there's a people? little bit of people, like fans of the show, being like, hey, where's Michael? You know, <laughs> like, like we kind of, yeah. we, we're going to need more of that. Like, we, you can't just, like, that can't be the end of his storyline there. Well, I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that, like, we had written Michael off. And so his appearance in season four was such an interesting surprise. Yeah. Uh, so the others let Hugo go. They only wanted him to like witness this and tell the others what happened. It's like he can't be that mean to support Hugo, you know. Well, but it, like the power, yeah, you know the power. Uh, it's something like Batman would do, or he'd like let one of the gang members go just to know, know that Batman beats the shit out of people for hard-ons. Um, so Jack stares at Michael as Michael like powers away in his little boat, and with Walt, go, yeah, Walt who's yeah. already looking older, yeah. The bags go back over the heads of Jack, Kate, and Sawyer because the others wanted to have this love triangle to themselves. Mm-hmm. So nighttime at the beach, for some reason, Claire takes Charlie back and she kisses him. And she's like, Charlie, what the fuck was all that? And he's like, eh, I don't know. Find out season three. And that's the only time they ever kissed. Yeah, I wish. And then we get the crazy sequence at the end of the episode. With these two guys who like, man, the the speculation for months online over whether or not one of these guys was actually Matthew Fox. Just because it looks a little bit kind of like looks like yeah. Matthew Fox. Yeah. 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 They're like in, um, they're in Antarctica and they, you know, electromagnetic anomaly detected or whatever. And they're like, oh, shit. So they pick up the phone and call someone who answers on the other end of the line. It is Penny Whitmore because she's so got, got a lot picture. of money. Yeah. The picture of her and Desmond by the bedside. Well, and they have a great line too about like like they mentioned that they had like missed one before. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So that's season two of Lost, baby. So we know that Penny is looking for Desmond. She has mm-hmm. a lot of money, so she can do that sort of thing. Which I remember for like the bulk of season three being kind of frustrated with like no payoff to that. And then oh, I the realized, payoff is fucking tremendous. Yeah, the fact that they, they're just letting that carrot hang over that season uh-huh. so deliciously. Are we ready for our uh, our rankings? Yes, I have. Well, I, I should say I did my rankings based on the episodes that we discussed. I guess I did. I don't know. These these almost feel so arbitrary. I have fifteen, but like hey. I, these are probably just overall. I guess I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll yeah. try to do them for like season three. I'll try to like, I don't know. It's it's hard to like ignore my own biases for these characters, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, though, I found as I was watching the show, certain things watch because I haven't really watched a show in the 10 years since it's yeah. been off. Like I was like, oh, OK, you know, confronting certain things. Um, but right. I have 23, which is wow. like a very okay. lost number. I doubled up a few of mine, but why don't you go ahead and start? All right, so 23, I have Charlie Pace. Oh. <laughs> That's right. That's what I think of him. 22, I have Boone Carlisle. 21, I have Mr. Tom Friendly. Um, oh, shit. I actually have 24. 
Let's say I also have Libby in there too. 20, I have Michael Dawson. 19, I have Vincent the Dog. 18, Walt Lloyd. 17, I have Rose Nadler. Okay. Uh, 16, Claire Littleton. All right. Well, at 15, I have Charlie Pace, who uh, is one of my least favorite characters on the show and yet is the highlight or the the focus of one of my favorite episodes of the show. So, you know, yeah. wrap your brain around that. Can't can't uh, wait to 15, talk about Greatest Hits in the next episode. At 15, I have um, similarly named Charles Widmore. Oh, yeah. I don't have him on here, but. Uh, he has a, a, a truly bit. great moment in one of like his next uh, flashbacks with Desmond with the uh, the scotch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, is that also the bathroom one? I think so, yeah. Um, but even though, I mean, like, again, part of that is based on, I know, like, the whole totality of Charles Widmore, yeah. at least Alan Dale of Charles Widmore. Um, but, like, also, his scene is pretty good in this episode. It is pretty good, yeah. Uh, and our 14, I have Claire. Good old Claire. Okay. I, I find I, I like I said I like to Claire a lot more in these episodes. Also, next season Emily DeRaven looks really good. Well, like, um, like when I was watching Lockdown, I know that's one of the ones we're not talking about, but like she, that's when uh, or not the Lockdown, uh, Psalm twenty three or the twenty third mm-hmm. Psalm when she like discovers that Charlie's been like lying about uh, like you know hiding the smack, and she just like mm-hmm. kicks him out basically. And like I feel like maybe the first time I watched that episode. I was like a little more on Charlie's side and I was like 100% on her side in this, you know? Yeah. That episode too, obviously Mr. Echo sees the monster and the monster, you know, is like, whoa, look at you. And I don't blame Mr. Echo for not like telling everyone what he saw because he's, he's mysterious. Yeah. He's enigmatic. But like Charlie sees that thing too. Yeah. It doesn't say a fucking word. Yeah. Hey, Charlie but was I a think, real son of a bitch in season two. I feel like that is a topic of conversation. <laughs> Um, at 14, because I, I already cheated and put her on there, I have the four-toed statue. Nice. Which will eventually discover is like an onk statue, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's uh, holding an onk. Yeah. It's um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like Egyptian god of death or something, right? I don't think it's the Egyptian god of death. That would be someone else. It's the one that's got the alligator face. I think it's like rebirth or something. Something crazy. Lost a PD up here. I'm sure that's on here somewhere or other. Yeah, look it up. It doesn't seem like in this episode there's enough base there for the other foot. Well, it's like it's yeah, it's like that whole part of the uh, shore like fell away or something like that. So it's yeah. Towerette. Towerette. Whoops. Yeah. What is she? The, the Egyptian of? goddess of protection, birth, and fertility. Okay. Oh, so the opposite of death. Hmm. Uh, let's see where are we at number 13 yeah so I put these two together although I'd probably put one of them much higher than the other is Boone and Shannon mm. Shannon and Boone mm. they're a fun little tag team of just like like uh, I don't know they're like the lighter side of things you know just like the practical side of the island while Jack and Kate and Sawyer are all busy like you know brooding and you know focusing on like the, the big mystery stuff is it Shannon who has the line earlier about all the drama going on? And she's like, oh, Kate and her two boyfriends. <laughs> that might be a Nikki thing. Um, at 13, I've got, you know, somewhat based on this one scene, but also the totality of season two. I've got Henry Gale slash Benjamin Linus. Oh. 
Well, I've got Michael at 12. Mm. I feel that Michael's, I, like I said, he's one of those characters that's done dirty by the show. Like Shannon and Boone, you know, in their own way. It's like the writers clearly were more interested in some of their characters than others, you know? Yeah. But I mean, is it fair to say that, like, while I acknowledge that 100%, he still kind of annoys me? Well, because they never give him anything not to annoy you by. I feel like he's, he's like a pretty unlikable character for the most part. Yeah. Um, at 12, I've got Kelvin Joe Inman. Nice. <laughs> Just that voice, man. I mean, he's like, I'm trying to think what's the first thing I saw him in. Probably Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Put yeah. your hand on that wall. Yeah. Uh, so at 11, I've got Walt. Walt! Mm. He's not too mysterious in any of these episodes. I don't, we don't get like the real crazy stuff with like the birds or any of that, you know, but. Or uh, him just like soaking wet in the woods for Shannon to see. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Shannon. Uh, yeah. Uh, number 11, I've got Hugo Hurley Reyes. Okay. That's that's fair. That's kind of, that's, I mean, like, it's only kind of based on what we see in these episodes. That's my goodwill. Like, yeah, I always liked Hugo. He annoyed me more in the second half of the show, but yeah, he was he's good in these episodes. Uh, yeah. We're at number ten. I, I feel like he should be higher, but I don't know. I'll, I'm just gonna rank him here. Um, Mr. Desmond David Human. Interesting. Yeah. Why so low? I don't know. I think it's just because I only thought of him after I'd ranked a bunch of other people, and it was hard to put him higher than them. Okay. Uh, 10. I don't know. I could get in trouble here. This is a character that would a different collection of episodes would obviously rank much higher if we were talking about the show in totality would rank higher. But number 10, I have James Tom Sawyer Ford. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about the four episodes, four and a half episodes we've talked. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, my rankings are somewhat more overall for seasons one and two, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, number nine, I've got Mr. Echo, which probably isn't very fair based on what little we get of him in the episodes we did watch. But like, I feel like he was really strong in season two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was like the hot new mysterious character, him yeah. and like Anna Lucia. But he, like um, he was like people are way more into him than Anna Lucia. No, I named my dog Mr. Echo. I'm okay. 100% there with you. Yeah. Uh, and my dog could not have been any different than Mr. Echo. He was a spunky shithead, an energetic and, little like golden lab. And an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think he sold drugs, but that would explain some things. Um, we're at nine. Yep. Uh, I have Penelope Widmore. Oh, I do not have Penny on here, but she shouldn't. She's very high in my heart. Penny is fascinating because she just shows up and it's like she has this huge story yeah. attached to her. Yeah. And like just great casting. Like you really want to root for that romance the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, number eight for me, I've got Hurley, Mr. Hugo Reyes. Mm. He's just like a, they call, I think they call these guys a glue guy. You know, he's never... I don't think he excels in his own episodes, but he's good in like other episodes where he's just kind of around and part of the group. He's the team player. Yeah. He's the guy that in season three was just like, Hey Sawyer, you need to start suddenly become a leader. Yeah. Sawyer's like, huh? Uh, so number eight, 
I could have put these two characters together, but I didn't. And I think by where I placed this one, you'll know where the other one is. But number eight, I have Sun Hua Quan. Okay. That's fair. I put those two together. We'll get to them eventually. Uh, number seven, you mentioned him. And this is, I was just so blown away even by his like small appearance at the end of Let's Gather Dialogue. But uh, Mr. Benjamin Linus. Yeah. Just bringing fire. You wouldn't think it, uh, to look at this island, but it is a huge buffet, and he is going to chew it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number seven, yeah, teased it. It's Mr. Jin Su Kwan. Okay. Well, I've got yeah, Daniel Lewis. Those, I, those cheekbones. I've got Sun and Jin at number six together because it's I don't know they're so connected to me, but mm-hmm. yeah, both great characters. I mean, it's it's funny because it's like you you're trying to like list your favorite characters on the show. There's like 20 or so main characters easy, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, what do you got for your number six? Number six, this is um, this is based on who I am and okay. what the show okay. provided for me. It's the monster. Uh, not bad. I do not have the monster on here, but God, the monster was like, what a great conceit of the show. Like when you first see the monster... It's just like these like smoke trails and you're like, what the fuck was that? And you're like frame by framing it and whatnot. Like, God, what a cool idea for this whole show. Yeah. And then with the weird noises it makes, it's like mechanical. It sounds like a roller coaster. Well, and, and very intentionally, like like Bruce the Shark, you know, from Jaws, just yeah. like the 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 sound of it, the not seeing it was so much more important. Yeah. Well, and the way that it, you'd first start to just hear like the little like, you know, like noises, the uh, the adding machine. Like mm-hmm. and and then like the just the ground explode, you know. Yeah. Gotta love it. Uh my number five. Controversial? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. John Locke. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh I mean, I feel like five? five five through one, I think we're gonna have the same characters. I'm just curious to see what order you put them in. No, no, one of my characters. Oh, okay. You've mentioned. Oh. Hmm, interesting. So number five, partially based on the episodes we watched, but kind of on seasons one and two as, as a whole. I feel like I'm going to have like stones thrown at me, but Kate Austin. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Poor Kate. Yeah, yeah I know. A I lot know. of people, I feel like a lot of people ended up hating Kate by the end of the show. I like yeah, Kate. Yeah, well, I, I don't dislike Kate, but liking her became messy <laughs> she's just climbing trees in my heart to this day um and other characters you know showed up and like liking them wasn't as messy like juliet mm. oh, you were always a juliet guy though i was 100 a juliet yeah, um and and i don't know how i normally feel about blondes but like um the fact that elizabeth mitchell looks a little bit like uh um what's her name the original supergirl doesn't hurt but uh, i first saw her in gia she was uh <laughs> what's her name's lesbian lover yeah <laughs> also she's fucking badass in her first episode so yeah what's your before speaking latin doing karate yeah uh i've mm-hmm. got sawyer at number four wow yeah james ford himself it's just the misunderstood nice guy <laughs> i mean that episode too like when you you know you get the truth behind the letter like it's like wow like this 
the first season is just like this weird collection of like short stories uh-huh. <laughs> with surprising endings. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, my number four, he should be number one. You know who I'm talking uh, about. You're talking Saeed about Saeed, yeah. Saeed Jarrah. Yeah, he's my number three. Saeed fucking rules, man. God, I, I miss that character so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Naveen Andrews is up to these days, but God, Saeed was such a great character on this show. Like if I got arrested and I had a phone call, call I Saeed. think I would call I would call Naveen Andrews and ask him to call Saeed. Yeah. Uh, previously, I think known as the guy who's having sex in the tub and the English patient, which that doesn't work. Yeah, I never saw that. No, you're not missing it. Yeah, Saeed is, he's just like so competent, but like he has this whole other side to him or, you know, it's like soulful brooding guy. I don't know. He's just like, like I would want to befriend that guy on the island above all other people on the island. Well, I'll tell you what else. I wouldn't want to piss him off. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I just love, I, I think it's not until maybe like pilot part two or maybe to be the Rasa where like mm-hmm. Hurley's like trying to get to know people and he's like trying to get to know Saeed and he's just like, like, Oh, like, you know, I, I can't remember. The, yeah. Yeah. What service did you find? Yeah. What, like, what did you do guard. with the Iraq war? And he's like, Oh, Republican guard. And it's really just like gulp. <laughs> this show is also like, it's fairly international, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's definitely like lots of like white people, like people from LA in it. But like, you've got Sun and Jin, you've got Saeed, you've got Mister Echo, you know, Charlie, like Claire. Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting in how it it's not just a show about Americans, you know. What's crazy to me is I want to say there's only one scene in this entire show that's not filmed in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm sure they filmed some stuff in LA, didn't they? I. Think they filmed it all in Hawaii. They, they might have filmed parts of the pilot in LA, but I think I think that was the big expensive gamble was the moving the entire production yeah. to Hawaii. Um, and it's like the one scene of uh, Sun and Charles Widmore, which takes place in London because he was doing a play. Oh right, right, yeah. All right, uh, where are we at? I just yeah. So say it's my number three. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is Mr. John Locke. Ooh, Mr. Locke. It's a character that I. That I loved, man. He, um, I don't know. Like, there's something. Like I said, he's like Randall Flag, but he's better. He's more relatable. You understand where Locke's coming from, even if you don't agree with his desperation. Let me let me ask you a question. Would you say that you're more of a Locke and I'm more of a Jack? No, I think ultimately I'm more of a Jack. Okay. I don't know. I'm not saying that you're one or the other. I'm just saying. So between the two, you identify more with Jack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I I do really appreciate the Locke character. Right. Right. Uh, My number two, you had her higher up, but uh, I love her so much. It's Kate. Mm. Fuck the haters. I love Kate. She's one of my favorite characters on the show. Mm. Kate's great. She's she's just a go-getter, you know? She wants to get out there and go on away missions constantly. Like I said, I, I think... A lot of people hated Kate, and I probably had frustrations with her at the end of the show, but she won me back. I believe it's the last episode. Just the way she says, I really missed you, Jack. <laughs> um, so my number two, this is where the magnet goes off and like knives and bicycles and washing machines yeah, start flying at me. Jack, right? I've got Jack at number yeah, two. Uh-huh. I know your number one is, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I've got Jack at number one. I love Jack. He's insane. And and it's it's weird because I feel like if like I said, if I were to like befriend people on the island, I'd probably start with Saeed, not Jack, because Jack's nuts. Yeah. But I can't deny how much I like connect with Jack as a character, even even the bad parts of the character, you know? Like mm-hmm. he's he's so incredibly flawed and yet like find him very compelling. Yeah, I mean he's 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 great. Um I, he would be my number one. My number one, obviously, being Desmond. Um, except for the show is so brave to like bring back this strange Scottish character and give them this like huge backstory. This like that cute, has big like sprawling romance of a backstory. Yeah, that has like massive implications for like the future of the show. <laughs> um, and it's like like the show is just brave enough to ha- like to basically eclipse the hero. Who's already been like kind of a messy, wonderful weirdo? Um, yeah, so Desmond, man, right on. Oh, you know what we didn't do? Um, make one change. Would you anything you want to change about these first few seasons? Uh, not so much in the episodes we watched, but like certain plot lines, the church, things like that. I, My one yeah. note here is I would like to have Michael have like a few heroic moments because I feel yeah. like he just never does anything cool, like Saeed. It's just out there doing cool shit the whole time. You know, even Charlie yeah, gets yeah. his moments and like random ass Boone. Like, you know, it's like Walt or not Walt. Uh, Michael just he it just always seems to lose constantly. You know, he's he's the constant heel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was seasons one and two of Lost. Do we just want to do season three next? I think that's where I think we're, we have to. At. So we, we yeah. technically did five episodes, I guess, for this because let the together die alone is two. So can we yeah. do five for season three? Well, because if we're talking about through the looking glass, that's the same thing, right? Well, do we need to do both of them? We might as well. I mean, we're made of time, aren't we? I guess so. So we've got through looking glass and greatest hits. There's a bunch in the back half of season three that are like massive episodes. Um, well, so we talked about um, expose. What about like the man behind the curtain? I mean, I love it. So you wanted um, Tale of Two Cities, right? For sure. So that's one. Uh, do we want flashes before your eyes? Uh, that's also no. Wait, no. I was gonna say that's Juliet. No, that's Desmond Hume. Mm. I feel like we could get away with not doing flashes before your eyes. Okay. Because I feel like we're we're definitely doing the constant, so we'll like we'll get back to Desmond then. Okay. Uh, we don't need to do Stranger in a Strange Land. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> what if that was one of the ones that we absolutely did? Yeah. <laughs> Just to fuck with people. Inter seventy seven has like one good scene, but the rest it's kind of boring. I mean, there's yeah. like a ping pong competition in that episode. <laughs> Electronic ping pong, right? right. Man from Tallahassee, that's the one where you find out how Locke gets paralyzed, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like at this point in the show, I'm kind of like done with Locke a little bit. Like, it's just like, okay, you're pathetic about your dad. Let's get on with it. My thing is, I know that there's just going to be some tough fucking choices here. One of us. I don't know. I kind of feel, let me, let me just throw this out for you. Tell me if there's something we're missing here. We do a tale mm. of two cities. We do mm-hmm. expose. Yeah. We do the man behind the curtain. 
greatest hits and through a looking glass. That works for me. And that's back loaded for sure. But like, I don't know. Do we need catch 22 or like DOC on, you know, or the brig? Like, I feel like yeah. we don't really need any of those episodes. No, I, I think we have to do expose because it's so weird. Yeah. And is, is there a character we're giving short shrift to, I guess, is the question. We've done a plenty lot of, of lock. We're going to get plenty of Jack. Um, we haven't done a ton of Claire, although I, I don't know. Do we really need to do like par avion, you know? No, no. I mean, like I, I enjoy Claire and I enjoy Emily de Raven just fine. But like, unfortunately I consider her to be non-essential yeah. or like Hurley. Considering, I, I don't think we need to do like Trisha Tanaka is dead. That episode's pretty lame. I mean, honestly, we would have done the numbers. If yeah. We were going to do a Hurley. Seriously. Episode. That's, I feel like that's uh, his only good episode for himself. Yeah. Cause like the stuff of his, his dad is rough. Trisha Tanaka is dead. I'm pretty sure that's just like him trying to like get that van to drive. Right. Is that the one where DJ Qualls finds out he's a millionaire? I think so. Yeah. Like that's heartbreaking and all, but it's not, it's not essential. Well, that might, that might be a different important. episode, but yeah, that episode's kind of lame too. Cause like if you talk about episodes, that are great that we're not talking about left behind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kate and Juliet teaming up. Um, I, I think this is, you know, math not Tallahassee is good. The bridge is 22. But... I think is the one where Desmond's like having more like visions or whatever. That's where like Naomi comes in. That might be the one written by Brian K. Vaughn. It is. Yeah. Him and Jeff Pinkner. And I'll never forget those two assholes in that one podcast thinking that Brian K. Vaughn was a showrunner. Yeah. Me being so angry. The Brig is another lock episode, I think. Yeah. And it, I don't know. That, that episode, like, I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I feel like it was kind of like a bit of a dud. It was just like we knew this was coming eventually kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's one where he kills his dad, it, right? It's or one where he kills his dad. And it's just, it's like not particularly... Or Sawyer. Sawyer, yeah. yeah um the man from tallahassee if i remember correctly it's the one where uh um imagine there was a box it was yeah. whatever you imagine would be in it and then locks it's like maybe you can imagine yourself a new submarine <laughs> <laughs> i mean like uh not in portland's great but you know i'll i'll, I'll suffer without it for tale of two cities you do love your juliet I mean, it's fair. It's fair. Juliet's great. Well, and also, I think the Tale of Two Cities is important if you're going to talk about Through the Looking Glass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, so we're going to do, for Season 3, A Tale of Two Cities, Expose, uh, The Man Behind the Curtain, Greatest Hits, and Through the Looking Glass. It's going to be a good fucking time. That's going to be another four-hour podcast. It sure as shit is. All right. Well, until then, stay healthy. Well, I was going to say... Uh, this was based on, um, I can look it up. We had gotten a tweet from somebody whose name, yes, was asking if we would do, um, you know, like different TV shows like Buffy and stuff like that. And so we initially talked about like doing a TV month of talking about different TV shows. I think we've settled basically like April is going to be us talking about loss. It's just impossible to talk about loss so broadly like you know we we picked four episodes for seasons one and two and it feels like we we failed completely we should have picked like 10 you know yeah yeah whereas buffy i mean don't make me do it but like i feel like 
I could get away with like, here's the six essential yeah, Buffy episodes. Yeah. Don't make, don't make me do it. Cause that'll probably be hard, but, um, lost. Yeah. It's really like, you've got to almost go season by season and then you're still living crumbs. So yeah, we've got our five really like six hours of TV. Um, oh, well, that's plenty. I mean, you know, Picard's over now. I think devs is off this week, so we'll have plenty of time. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, until then, have a good yeah. one. Yeah. Gotta go back. We have to go back. Bye-bye.